Before we get started, we'd like to take a moment to say something important. We at the Old World Podcast play a game that we have often lauded as grim, dark, and perilous, but that most certainly is not the kind of world we want to live in and is not a reflection on who we are. We despise police brutality and believe that everyone, most importantly those who are given power to enforce or make laws, should be held accountable for their actions. We believe in justice for George Floyd and all the others who have lost their lives or freedom due to prejudice, hatred, or abuse. Our aim is that we participate and represent a hobby that encourages participation, engagement, and inclusivity regardless of who you are or what you look like. We will fight for equality and fair treatment for everyone with our voices, votes, and actions. There is strength in diversity, and there is unimagined potential in equality. Black Lives Matter. Crimson Tower Studios. Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in 4th edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and tonight I'm joined by my co-host, Matt. In addition, we have a special guest with us tonight. You may know him as Thorgrim Finebeard from the Old World Podcast Actual Play. Welcome to the show, Kyle. How are you doing tonight, Kyle? I'm doing well. I'm uh, I'm excited to uh, be in something a little bit different than what I'm normally accustomed to on the uh, actual place. So I- I'm ready to get into it. I'm doing well. How about you, well, man? Glad to have you. Oh, I'm doing I'm doing just fine. Doing just fine. Before we move on to what we've been up to, we'd like to thank our outstanding Patreon backers. Their generous donations help us to make this show possible. Thank you, Jacob. Just Jacob. Very concise, simple. Jacob, thank you so much for your support. Yep, thanks, Jacob. We appreciate it. And also, uh, thank you to Scott Lennons. Thank you, Scott. We definitely appreciate your support. Yep, I can't wait to use Scott Lennons as a name in Mm. the podcast. That one's going to be good. It's going to be yet another addition to the uh, Von Holes (laughs) family crew. That's that's absolutely true. The the motley motley crew. I don't even know if you can call them a staff at this point. They're <laughs> they're more like a pirate crew. <laughs> yeah, considering we just like essentially kidnap people and force them yeah. <laughs> to well, if you go outside the castle walls, you're or the manor halls, you're gonna, you know, potentially be killed. So you may as well just stay here. Yeah, it's welcome definitely aboard. A, definitely a dirty dozen of staff at the uh Von Holtz estate. It's true, it's true. <laughs> Well, thank you both so much for your support and everyone else. If you'd like to join these fine folks and buy us a beer or some tea, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. For only a couple of dollars a month, you can help us continue to bring you discussion and actual play in the grim and gritty world of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Check us out at patreon.com slash oldworldpodcast. Also, uh, we got our Zazzle store still, so go to oldworldpodcast.com slash store. And uh, there's lots of cool stuff. I know we have some stuff in the pipeline that we'll be releasing soon, including some different shirts and stuff with our vault logo. A lot of people really like that. So uh, be Mm. on the lookout for that as well. I will say, and I've said this before, um, and Matt said it before too, but the Stein, man, I I have the Stein right with me right now. I use it every day. Yeah, it it is. So 
the and quality that, on that thing is shockingly nice. And yeah. that like, vault it's logo really is, nicer than I expected. That vault logo is is prime. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We'll probably have a Stein with a vault logo, which I fully plan to get. So. Uh, it might also be a good time to mention that we do have some goals on our Patreon, one of which we just passed recently, which was to get around and open a merchandise store. Our next goal, which uh, I don't know how close we are to meeting. I want to say we're at least a handful of patrons away. But our next one is going to be where we start commissioning artwork for the characters in our actual play. And there might be, uh, we may have already started doing some work on this. And let me tell you, folks, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. So it, definitely, if you've considered supporting us in the past, we would definitely appreciate it uh, and help us reach some of our goals. Yeah. Yep. Our next goal level, we're only a few patrons away, like you said. I like, I don't know, somewhere like 30 bucks or something, maybe 40. But it's, uh, yeah, I'm actually excited. Like, I want to get there because I want to commission more artwork. We we got one one piece in play already that we're ready taking a look at just testing the waters being prepared for when that goal gets hit and um so we'll be i mean so we hit that goal we will immediately be releasing some artwork i can say that for sure so Mm -hmm. yeah all right so hey what kind of gaming have you guys been up to well this is uh kind of a an odd turn for me but i haven't really played a whole lot since the last time we recorded or at least anything new that i can talk about who are you and what have you done with matt it's some sort of weird doppelganger body snatcher type situation, uh, I believe. But I still, I mean, still playing a lot of Xbox. Still um, playing a lot of the, a lot of the games as always. I will say, and uh, if the Lord of the Underdeep Nolan were here right now, he would agree with me. But the uh, the next Borderlands Three DLC is now exactly one week away from the time of this recording. So rest assured, I will be playing the ever loving heck out of that uh, in a week's time. You know, you know what I love? I love, we don't even call Nolan just Nolan, right? We're like Lord of the Underdeep. Like even in casual conversation, I'm like, yeah. dude, I got to get a hold of the Lord of the Underdeep, man. We need to, you know, it's just like, oh well, man. It's if, such a if cool you have title. A title like that. You, yeah, exactly. You mean to tell me that if in real life you were the, you know, Lord of the Dwarven Hold, you wouldn't want people to reference that every <laughs> chance that they could possibly get? Oh, Come for on. sure. <laughs> You should get uh, some business cards for your day job, Lance, that say Lord of the Dwarven Hold. Yeah. Lance. <laughs> that would be awesome. legit. What about you, Kyle? What have you been up to gaming wise? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been hard to make any trips to see anybody with all this going on. So yeah, I've been in the same boat as Matt. Um well, plus playing you just... lots of Xbox. Yeah, and we just got through a move. Uh we just bought our first house and so I mean, you know, I got to mow the lawn and stuff now, so there's a <laughs> lot more chores. I, you know, I, I, I barely have time to do anything after work every day. It's, you know, go mow the lawn and go do this and go do that. So uh, my free time has been limited, to say the least. Oh, Kyle, welcome to the joys of homeownership, my friend. Wait until uh, you, right? As soon as you think everything's all well and good, then your air conditioning or your furnace is going to go out and there's going to be a burst pipe. You're going to have a limb come through your roof. Mm. All just the great things about owning a home. Right. And, and the, and the hilarious thing is, is we, we don't really own it. We're, we're just sitting in it while the bank owns it. So yeah, there's that too. (laughs) If I stay in the same place for half of my life, 
I'll I'll be able to afford it. Right. So. Exactly. Yep. So uh, myself, I've actually been able to get some gaming done. Uh, the other, as I've been talking about, I you know I had I was really excited about Final Fantasy VII remake, and I beat that, and that got me back into hey I need to finish Final Fantasy XII. Well, I did it. I went and I completed Final Fantasy XII. I beat the game, um, and so I did that uh, recently here in the last like week and a half or so, and uh, it was a good it was a good one. Um, uh, a bit of a tearjerker. They did a good job uh, finishing up, and uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, man, I'm just a sucker for. It's so hard, man. When the when the when the episode is over, when the when it's it's like a it's like a good role playing campaign, you know, that you're putting to bed. Like, oh man, the journey's over. I don't want it to be over. So anyway, Final Fantasy 12 is a good one. It's an old one, but they remastered it for the PlayStation 4, so I just finished that. Zodiac Age. Excellent. It's so fascinating to me, the Final Fantasy series, how different the games are. I mean, they, they generally have similar gameplay, but the it's just it's very fascinating. I just saw a thing that was an article about in Final Fantasy 15 how realistic the food is in it. Yeah. Like, and I... I hadn't noticed that before hadn't seen that before and my goodness that's crazy like it's literally photorealistic mm, buddy there have been times like, that i've i've you'll make food to give yourself buffs and i'll sit there and i'll like have to pause the game and be like i want to go make some eggs now or something because it just <laughs> it looks so freaking even a simple plate of eggs man i know it might be a while with a pandemic before we see each other in person but when you come over next matt i'm gonna remind me we'll we'll kick that game up real quick and i'll show you it, in person it's it's amazing yeah yeah so good stuff all right so let's let's move on uh we got a lot to discuss before we uh have a good episode for you guys um we haven't uh had an episode in a little bit so we got a lot of news to go through we're gonna go through it pretty quick um but so we're moving on to our announcement and news section so uh it's where we keep you up to date on all the woofer goodness um, and, uh, starting off, Kyle, I think we have a bunch of news on some new PDFs, right? Yeah. So, uh, there's a ton of new PDFs, um, new, uh, first edition PDFs have been released. Uh, they've been out of print for a while, so you can grab those. All of those are available at drive through RPG for nine 99, uh, Doomstones campaigns, part four, uh, the dwarf wars and castle Drakenfels. Drakenfels. Um, Drakenfels. And then uh, the Uber's Reich Adventures Part 2, uh, Deadly Dispatch. Uh, it'll be a book of collected adventures like Uber's Reich Adventures for $39.99 for print and PDF. Or if you want to save some money, uh, $19.99 for the PDF only. Um, and those are uh, all well, the, available at the drive-thru as well. Yep. So the first part, I think there's like, what well, I want to say five adventures in each book. The first one is available for $3.99 right now got it in deadly dispatch go. yeah so i'm really uh, excited i'm really glad to see that they are still putting these out when they announced the the completed uber's Rec adventures the first book that's going to be you know bound and sold i was worried that that might mean the end of the uber's Rec adventures but the fact they're putting out a whole second book is exciting and it also again has us looking to the future and seeing what other exciting things are going to be coming down the pipe 
So to be to be a hundred percent honest with you, like I'm excited. I want them to continue giving us content and little bitty adventures and content like this. I would love for there to be uh, right. We have the enemy within this giant campaign, but not everybody wants to do that. Or you have crazy, insane groups that will go through that entire thing in six months, right? So having all of these extra adventures to plug in there is a great thing. But here's my one thing: like Uber's Reich is great, and it's where the starter set is. But once this Uber is right two is done, I want to move on to another part. Like I want Middenland adventure. Exactly. You know, yep. or like take us to other. That's the ultimate plan. I would assume so, but um, you know, Cubicle Seven. If you're listening, there's a an idea for you. If for some reason, you hadn't thought of it. <laughs> like, uh, move move us away from Uber's Reich is great, and I know there's a lot of development for that city, and I don't fault you for for letting us play in that sandbox longer. Um, and maybe part of this is we're just waiting for the enemy within to get us to mid and land. But anyway, I want to see more of the other areas of the Empire in the Warhammer world. I want my Lustria campaign, man. <laughs> and uh, and the cool part about the the Uber's Reg Adventures, uh, the PDFs have been updated with the content to help link the adventures together. And uh, as far as um, the new stuff that's coming out, the several of the physical releases have already been shipped. Um, the Enemy in Shadows, Enemy in Shadows Companion, the Game Master Screen, <laughs> Uber's Reich Adventures, and the Dice Trays. The game master's screen, the <laughs> elusive game master's screen. Oh my uh, goodness! So he, I will say it is nice seeing so many people on Facebook and Twitter posting pictures of oh, their yeah. deliveries and their stacks of goodness. Oh, their setups. Uh, I'm so this is this is a downside of everything, right? So the U.S. it's all on pallets being shipped over here, and it hasn't actually started shipping within the country yet. Um, but I'm sure Cubicle Seven will let us know soon, based on a an article which we'll talk about in a minute. But I, I so this is the thing, right? So what is it? Uh, Age of Sigmar has their their new release and their GM screen. And their starter set, like, boom, 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 all ready, ready to go already, right, for pre-orders and stuff. So for us in the world of, you know, warmer fantasy role play, this is going to be, what are we looking at, Matt? Like a year and a half <laughs> before we got our oh, DM screen? Yeah, yeah, we've we've lamented on that before. Yeah. I don't know if we need to get back into it uh, because, I mean, <laughs> I suppose we have other things that we could complain about at this point. But, right. you know, stuff's coming through. We're getting it finally. That's great. We hope that uh, by the time that you're hearing this, that the uh, PDF will be released for um, Death on the Reich. That's definitely the most anticipated thing that's coming out now that we're looking forward to. But Right, and they just did a new article on that, too. Yeah, it was like a sneak peek, which was nice. They just showed a few pages from the book. There was a nice map that was included as well. So, And, and there's that new article, too, that just came out uh, that is... So Cubicle 7, I think, has heard our frustration um, and, hey, this Death in the Reich, we were supposed to have this in our hands like months ago. Like, actually, we were supposed to have it for Christmas last year, right? So six months later, we, we still don't have it. But uh, they they acknowledged that. They acknowledged some of the issues and they explained different pieces in this article. Um, and they did say that they fully intend with their current goal to get that out by the end of the month. Um, and now, th to be clear, that's not the companion. That's 
just right. death on the Reich. The companion, so like as of a week and a half ago of this recording, they had said companion would release in July. But with this new article, they have July slash August, which makes me a little sad because I because I can honestly say like death on the Reich, I'm looking forward to it. But the companion, man, that's that's the one that I'm gonna be like, oh for sure, call off of work. Right. I need to read. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you on that. I'm sure a lot of people are too. And honestly, even when we heard July, you and I kind of rolled our eyes at each other like, well, hopefully, but we're not holding our breath. Right, right. But so. I mean, obviously, when, when something that big comes out, you want it to be done right and polished and good to go and not released if it's not ready. Right. And this article, to, to Cubicle 7's credit, Right. One of the things that the community has been saying, hey, all these deadlines are swinging by and you're not telling us anything. Well, two cubicle sevens credit, they laid it all out for us here. Say, here's what's going on. This is why. And this is what we're happening. They even told us like their specific artwork that they decided last minute to commission because they felt it was the right thing to do and stuff. So like I can say as a consumer, yeah, just being all right. open is great. Yeah. All right. So great. Now you've explained it and I understand your reasoning and how many times have we said on this podcast that Cubicle Seven's product, when they, when they're in your hand, they're just amazing? Like oh, for sure. Yeah, and and if that means that there's a little bit of delay so that we don't lose that quality, I'm fine with that. It doesn't make it easier while I'm sitting here waiting, but at least I understand it, and when I finally do have it, I'll know the right thing was done. There was also another Meet the Staff article. This one was for Rachel Mackin who did artwork for the Enemy and Shadows Collector's Edition and also worked on the layout for Wrath and Glory, which we just did a bonus episode review for recently. Yeah, there was an actually, there's a, on the Cubicle 7's website, there's a little interesting article where she kind of explains some of the thought patterns behind the Collector's Edition covers. And because it's unique art that has to do with like different tones and the shininess of, I, I, I can't explain it very well, but there's a cool article on the artwork that is definitely worth checking out, if uh, especially if you're interested in those collector's editions at all. Oh, all right, so um, upcoming releases reveal. All right, so we have mentioned this in a couple of bonus episodes we've recorded and stuff, and we haven't really talked about this. I don't want to spend a ton of time going over this because there's a lot here, but there was an article released with, hey, here's the, what, 18 or something products we're going to be releasing. And... They didn't give specific timelines. They made it very clear in the article that there was going to be no specific order. Like if you tried to figure out an order by looking at this or reading into this article, you might go mad. So the concept here is pretty cool. So there's lots to talk about. Um, A lot of it was stuff we knew about before with maybe a little extra detail. And a lot of it is brand spanking new as of that article. So, I mean, it's a couple months now since that article, but we're talking about it here. But I definitely I think there's enough here that we definitely at least should mention some of the coolness. Um, So obviously we have the normal enemy within. They talked about the five books and their companions, Death on the Reich, Power Behind the Throne, The Horned Rat, Empire and Ruins are the four that haven't been released yet and their companions. Um, so, you know, we know that those are coming, um, Middenheim city of the white wolf, which we know is coming as well. And Altdorf, there's a, apparently a working title will probably be something slightly different there. Um, but, uh, in, in which I can say Middenheim and Altdorf books, I am really looking forward to, and I'm looking forward to all the companions, but I mean, that right there is a ton of content, but there's more. Yeah. The, uh, archives of the empire volume one 
Um, it's got halflings, dwarves, Laurelorn, mass combat, and more. Um, and then obviously the Archives of the Empire Volume 2. It's got ogres, enchanted items, and more. So not a lot of information there about that kind of stuff. But Very I mean, general. yeah, but if you know, like, hey, if you're playing a wood elf, I imagine, or a dwarf or a halfling, like of any of these, right? Depending on what is in those books, it could be significant. Um, yeah, it could help you out a lot. Yeah, so these are all meant to be um, helpful books. I imagine there'll be rules and stuff in them. I wish I knew more, but it sounds cool. Yeah, it definitely sounds cool. And there's, I mean, there's so much in that list of upcoming releases that uh, once they start really delivering on these, it's it's going to be a good day to be a Warhammer fan, that's for sure. Yes. Uh, some of the other books, there's the Imperial Zoo, which is a bestiary of monsters, threats, and terrors in the old world, which these are the kind of things that have me literally giddy with anticipation. Yes. Those are the kind of books that I love having, uh, you know, a uh, all of that information for all those different things all in one spot instead of having to jump through different books is always really helpful. And, and one thing I want to mention on that is the article, and, and do not quote me on this, but the article seems to indicate that it might be built in a similar way to the second edition BCRE, which has that whole concept of like, here's what the common person might know. Like, here's what the expert says. You know, here are the stats. Like, the, the here's the information that your players would know. Here's the information the GM knows kind of thing. Like, that breakdown. The second edition B-series is considered to be one of the best role-playing B-series out there by many. Um, and it sounds like, based on their description, that they might do something very similar with the concept of this book, which I'm hoping will be true. I know when you first started talking about the the second edition bestiary i jumped online found a copy and snagged it right away just so that i have it just in case but yeah it's it's definitely exciting to know that we're going to have that uh on the horizon there's also a the monuments of the empire which is a short digital release exploring six intriguing monuments to be dropped in to an ongoing campaign which is really intriguing to me mysterious um, even <laughs> super mysterious right i mean yeah. think about something uh, on the scale of like the pyramids, right. Or, uh, something that is just like these monuments like that, that really you, you can, uh, add a lot of intrigue, a lot of mystery, and it could be something you could, you know, write a whole campaign around like stone circles. Like if there's not, if yeah. one of them's not a stone circle, I, I would be floored. Oh, be awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah. What does Stonehenge look like in Warhammer? How much blood is covering it, and yeah, you know how many how many bones are surrounding it. Yeah, there's limbs sticking out of them, and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. Hey, old worlders, future Matt here. Just wanted to give you a quick update and let you know that since the time we recorded this episode, the Monuments of the Old World PDF has been released. You can find that at DriveThroughRPG.com. Unfortunately for Lance, there is not a stone circle included in the monuments, but there are five monuments complete with art adventure hooks, stat blocks, secrets, and more. So definitely check it out, and we'll likely talk more about this in our next episode. Back to the show. All right, so there's even more, guys, right? We have one-shots of the Reichland, right? Short digital releases with short one-session adventures set in various locations from the buildings of the Reichland, which I think is a super cool idea because you could use the buildings of the Reichland PDF in concert with that, it sounds like, so it's almost like, here, we're going to write an adventure for you, but hey, also, here's 
an awesome map and background that you already have. So I think that is a great idea. Um, also, they're saying Reichland Adventures, a series of adventures set around the Reichland. So remember what I was talking about where I wanted adventures in Middenheim and stuff like that? So, I mean, we are getting inundated with uh, adventure releases f within the Reichland specifically. I'm hoping we get the same treatment in the other great provinces as well. Eventually. Right. Um, so lots of material coming down for adventures. Also, the Winds of Magic. How long we've we been talking about this one, right? We know the this could be a good one. Yeah, history and lore and the practice of magic. We're gonna have high magic for the elves, runes for the dwarves. Matt, when this book comes out, I want to make a runesmith and I want you to run me through a game. I'm just saying it right now. Sold. Expanded careers for all eight varieties of human wizard. Oh my goodness, does that not sound sweet? Yeah, I love how we've read that before and talked about it before but you still say it out loud like it's the first time you've seen it oh my gosh <laughs> i know right <laughs> this is the coolest no that's that's super exciting i right. mean we've we haven't really dug into magic yet that deeply right i mean we've not not from the career go, point of view right right we did a magic episode but man even dedicating one episode to magic still didn't allow us to really dig yeah. in Yep, yeah. um, especially with expanded careers for the the different types of wizard. Man. That's that's going to be a whole series of episodes for us, I'm sure. I know right. we're probably getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but there's no doubt that there's going to be enough content there to talk about. Oh, and right. who doesn't love the spells in yeah. in Warhammer? Even the the petty spells have some really interesting stuff. And once you start getting into the the higher level spells, it's it's crazy. And speaking of spells, there's going to be additional spells in here, and there's also going to be an alternate magic system. Um, which is allowing casters to create and customize their own spells and rituals, which I'm fascinated as a GM to see that this. That sounds insane. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm worried about what kind of animal All army. Of cats. Yeah. <laughs> that Lynn will make. Or try to make. Right. Right. Or exactly. try to make. There you go. Precisely. <laughs> and then uh, piggybacking off of the, all that magic. Um, that's going to be in that awesome book. There was an article by Clive Oldfield um, that went over the Warhammer Fantasy roleplay magic systems and colorful magic as well. Also, Graham Davis Adventure Hooks articles. Five different articles full of adventure hook ideas. Follows Rough Nights and Hard Days roughly with the following themes. Inns, courthouse, operas, castles, and town mansions. So, all right, so this is interesting concept, right? Because there are five adventures in Rough Nights, Hard Days. Those are roughly the settings. And then he gives a bunch of story hook ideas, which are like bigger hooks than like the normal couple sentences we have in some of our books, which are awesome, right? Um, I So I'm in a weird situation where I picked like one to read out of each of these, but I didn't want to read them all in case like these. So Matt, these are how I would describe like from the starter set, right? The starter set had like one page adventure hooks. These aren't as long. They're like three paragraphs, two to three paragraphs each. So it's almost like modular encounters again, where here's a modular encounter idea build off of this. Um, Love it. Yeah. So these, uh, so I fully intend to essentially print these out, these five articles out and bound together into one thing. And like, Hey, here's an adventure hook, you know, packet for, for lack of a better term. So, but great yeah, stuff awesome. and it's Graham Davis. So, you know, it's yeah, that, good. that's enough to know. Yeah. You know right. what kind of quality you're getting there. 
the always amazing Graham Davis. Indeed. All right, finally. Uh, we get, are going to talk a little bit about the recent developer diaries. That's right. You heard it right, folks. We have officially pulled the trigger and are getting the uh, collector's edition of the Enemy in Shadows. And when I say we, I mean Lance, because Lance was able to, uh, <laughs> I don't know, to, talking about a stone circle. I think he had to do some uh, incantations and, you know. I, I can I can honestly stone circle to convince his wife to let him pick, oh, pick up the collector's edition. That that bargain I made a joke the other day about how I needed to fill out forms in triplicate and attach different addendums for approvals for my wife. I had to um let's just say like financially that might not have been the wisest decision and the amount of um well let's just say I can't very well ask for anything big for a long time. <laughs> But, there you go. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Right. But it is awesome. There's some awesome content in there. Yeah. We know exactly how great those are going to be when you actually get them in hand. Very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So that means that we now have access to the developer diaries. Now, these are exclusive content, so we're not going to go too in-depth with them, but uh, we are going to talk a little bit about them as a whole and kind of what to expect and a couple little tidbits that we've seen. I will say that reading through those, I... At least a handful of them that have been released so far are more about the designing of the enemy in shadows, which is great. They're definitely fascinating to read, but as far as actual content and rules and things like that that you could add into your games, there wasn't a whole lot of that until recently. One of the more recent developer diaries um, that is building off of the Death on the Reich has rules for river gods, miracles, and blessings, and river magic. And some of the river magic that was in there is mm. really, really cool. Mm. It's all good. So all of this stuff, just so you know, right, they they clearly put in these diaries. This is stuff we could not fit in the Death on the Right companion that we wanted to, but we didn't have enough space. Which, if this is the stuff that didn't make the cut, I got to say, I'm super excited to see what did. Um yeah, you read my mind. Like right. knowing that this stuff, you know, they couldn't find room for this. That tells me that whatever's in there is top-notch stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be awesome. Yep. And one other thing too, they clearly say in this too that there's, you know, you guys get access to this now, but there, there's no guarantee this might not end up in another book or prepackaged in some way further down the line. So, and I fully expect this is some really good stuff that's written out. Um, and even if it's tweaked or whatever and released in something else later, it wouldn't bother me at all. But having it now, like in for whatever adventures we might need, was worth the extra money to me. So, um, that's kind of what pushed me over the edge, honestly. But for sure, we're also going to have a semi regular, um, not segment necessarily, but in the news, we're going to make sure we keep you up to date on all the information about our sister games related to Warhammer Fantasy 4th Edition, those being Age of Sigmar Soulbound and Warhammer 40k Wrath and Glory, both of which have bonus episodes that you can listen to right here on the Old World Podcast. The Wrath and Glory episode is out now, and it's likely that by the time you're hearing this, the um, Age of Sigmar Soulbound will also be available for you to listen to. Yeah, if not, then fairly In the close. very, very yeah. near future, yeah. yeah. That was uh, ended up being a longer episode. We're yeah. working on getting that edited down. So yeah, those are uh, long episodes. We talk a lot. <laughs> yep. You can find more information as always online at cubicle7games.com. 
holy cow. And we haven't even started with the meat of the show. <laughs> Listen to all that stuff. So let's dig in. Let's get into the meat of the show. So, um, so on tonight's show, we're once again going to dive into one of our favorite things to talk about, careers. And it's one of your guys' favorite uh, old worlders. We keep hearing the feedback. We want more career episodes. So here you go. Um, in this episode, we're going to review The Agitator, The Bounty Hunter, and The Mystic. And as we like to do, at the end of the episode, we'll have a little competition where the host will put their creative juices to the test in a career build-off to see who can build the most interesting character. Um, we'll have posts out there on our social media accounts where you can put in your thoughts um, as to what careers you want us to review next. So um, be on the lookout for those. Um, they're actually pretty old. I was looking for some of them. We might need to put some new ones out there just to hear what you guys are looking for. But um, anyway, don't wait for us. Just tweet at us or send us a message or whatever. Let us know what you want to hear about next. Yep. There are plenty, plenty of careers that we haven't uh, haven't touched on yet. So you'll be, be hearing these for a long time to come, especially knowing that there's going to be expanded careers that are coming out in uh, these oh. upcoming books as well. Oh, baby. No kidding. So, Old Worlders, grab your pamphlets, scry some old bones, and prepare to take down your bounty as we review the Agitator, Bounty Hunter, and Mystic on tonight's show of the Old World Podcast. Before we dig into our first career, let's go over last time, our last career episode. It's been a little bit, um, but I'm, I'm happy to say the votes are in. Um, this was the Road Warden and the Magus of Zinch. And uh, this was uh, Nolan, Lord of the Underdeep, and I uh, had this episode. We did this episode together. And I'm glad to say I won not by not by a very comfortable margin. I got 58% of the votes, but Haggard Lee Foot the second, Halfling Road Warden, managed to win that one out just barely. So, whew, nice. man. So let's see. I, I'm I'm doing well in the career competitions, All but right. I am I am worried about today. I'm not gonna lie. So, having said well, that, time will tell. We shall see. What? Which one you guys want to do first? I can start. Let's do it. Today, I will be going over the Mystic, which you can follow along. If you're following along at home, you can find the Mystic on page 82. Um, the Mystic is one of the peasants, is the in the peasant class, uh, and can be you can only be a human or a wood elf to be a Mystic. I'm not entirely sure. I, I couldn't really track down any information as to why those were the only two species that would work for this career. But regardless, that's what you're looking for. And and this, you can always the rule state you can always like if there there could be exceptions to every rule. So sure, you could always do a you know a high elf or if if you could argue it or something to your GM. Sure. Yeah, and I think it's just yeah. one of those things that like the high elves are you know more noble and as far as like, like the mystic goes, yeah, I think like, like above this type of yeah they're, they're they they right. won't they won't bring themselves to be a lowly mystic. Right. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking more halfling and gnome could potentially fall into this category. Yeah. No, yeah. gnome potentially for sure. Halflings have like a an affinity against magic like dwarves. So in some ways as we see this career progressing, it makes sense that a halfling or a a dwarf wouldn't be able to really be a mystic. Though Well, and we'll we'll talk about this more as we go, yeah. but it almost doesn't while you have access to some magic, it does not feel like a magic career, right? right? It's not like that is your focus. It can't 
be your focus until you know late into the career tree. Well, so let's go ahead and get started. Yes. Yeah. Break it down for us. Yep. So this, the way this kind of to uh, describe a mystic, they, I, I think of them as a fortune teller is an obvious one, right? Because that is even the name of the first tier on the career, but uh, also like a medium, somebody that uh, essentially is a crook and, you know, in our, in, in the real world, uh, a swindler really is what you're doing. Exactly. Um, although in the Warhammer world, it's not always, uh, you know, I wouldn't always describe them as a swindler. It's, there's definitely some truth to that. Right. Um, or or the, like a, a gypsy is another gypsy. Yeah. Yep. Or, or like or a like, seer. Yeah. Like the, like the, you know, Norse, Norse mythology seers, you know, they, people in real life thought they knew everything. So if a seer, you know, said something, they took it to be fact. So, right. Right. And in the old world or old world too, you actually have like a, the, the, the nomad gypsy kind of culture, which is, uh, and I'm probably not going to say this right, but they're the string, a string game, string game, I think string, strigany, strigany. See, this is why, this is why I, I mean, do I, this career. I, I, I assume that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot prove that. Yeah, well, pretty much whatever I say is almost always wrong. So we'll go with what you say. So when nice. it comes to pronunciation. So one yeah, thing, so, I, one thing I wanted to say, the difference here with a career's this their place in the old world. Like when you compare it, even if like there's there's the whole like I don't really know the future, but I'm going to convince you I do thing. But a lot of this also, I mean, there's a connection potentially to the magical realm. I mean, Warhammer is a world saturated with chaos and magic. And so like, you know, it's not like, it's not like the, the fortune teller, you know, in the village next door is immediately assumed to be a hoax, right? There's a lot of truth (laughs) to, you know, connecting to that magical plane or, or some version of it. Right. One thing that I really like about the mystics career and career tree is that this one, I mean, a lot of them kind of feel this way, but this one, I've really got this sense that when you start out as a fortune teller, you basically uh, can get like the tiniest little bitty connection to the magic, you know, the magic wins with second sight. That's really your only connection to magic of any kind at this level. And then once you hit the, the second level, then you can get holy visions and sixth sense and uh, detect artifact. It's not until tier three that you start getting petty magic and you can even get the witch talent. We'll get to that too. But finally, when you get to the, the final tier, that's when you actually can access the arcane magic and magical sense. But it's really neat how it, it really builds, right? So you yeah. start out at, at the, the very low end, only being able to have the, the tiniest bit of connection to magic and then it gets stronger and then it gets stronger. And then by the end, it's really strong. It's really quite neat. So the advanced scheme for a mystic, uh, right at tier one, you can upgrade your initiative, dexterity, and fellowship, which you know me, having fellowship, uh, and not just me, but having fellowship as a characteristic you can uh, upgrade and advance early is so huge. So mm-hmm. many skills deal with fellowship. So being able to boost that up is uh, super important. Uh, 
at tier two, then you can start building into willpower. Then tier three is agility. Tier four is uh, intelligence. So you, if you're paying attention, you did not hear me mention weapon skill, ballistic skill, strength, <laughs> or toughness. So, so those are kind of the so the big none four. of the combat attributes really. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So you know what uh, what career this is not going to be, and that is one that deals with uh, being very combat focused. Right. You don't say. Yeah, unless you. I mean, there's always ways to build it, right? And that's definitely one of the things that's interesting. Right. So going down through the career path a little bit, the skills that you can start out with at tier one. Uh, really tie into the fellowship aspect of it. So charm is a huge one. Entertain, fortune telling. Entertain is a really neat skill, uh, you know, as far as a group skill goes. There are one, two, three, three different types of entertaining that you can get into throughout this career path, um, which again, does make sense if you're kind of thinking of it like a, a fortune teller or a medium, somebody that uh, you know, essentially you are telling stories, right? Gosh. And I, uh, prophesying about things. I missed that. I missed that there were three different entertain group skills in this. That's fascinating. I like that. Yeah. I'm trying to think back. I know that some of the, uh, I imagined the, some of the more scholarly careers are going to have multiple lores that you can build up over time. Even this one has uh, two different lores, but the the entertain aspect of it is really interesting. And again, that uh, really ties into the, again, the fellowship, having a high fellowship is going to tie into so many of the skills uh, and advanced skills that you get. Uh, so in addition to that tier one, you have dodge, gossip, haggle, intuition, perception, and sleight of hand. Sleight of hand is always one of my favorite skills, despite the fact that in all of our actual plays, I don't think it's ever came up mostly because I don't think I've ever had a character that's had access to that skill. I think but again, sleight of hand really ties into that kind of swindler, uh, you know, mentality of of using that in addition to your ability to tell fortunes or tell stories, uh, and you know, all in a means of trying to potentially con people out of some money or convince them of something. Yeah, I think I called for it once as a as a GM as an option for somebody, but I don't think anybody on our actual play actually has access to the skill, right? So. And because it's an advanced skill, you can't you technically you can't test on it without right, you know. Still. Yep. And man, so the uh the early oh, you were gonna say something? I'm just like, man, when you look at that that bunch of skills at your tier one, man, that's just a man, that's just a great set of skills to start with. Yeah. Yeah. If you want a character that's gonna be like the face of a party, which uh I wouldn't suggest that if you're going based off the artwork that's in the core book. <laughs> uh so the talents you can get at tier one, uh, attractive, which again uh, builds up the fellowship luck which is really interesting and we're going to talk a lot about fortune with this career um but th having the ability to get luck is uh key i think and obviously having more fortune points to be able to, to get rerolls and whatnot is huge uh suave again plus five to your starting fellowship which is uh killer for this career and then the last talent is second sight and again that's where you start to see the little bit right you can start to sense the magic you can see the magic a little bit and that's going to build as you go farther down uh in the career i want to say looking at this that this is one of those careers maybe maybe rivaling the beggar for um careers that it is not hard to get your trappings in order to you know for moving up the different uh career levels right yes very much 
starting out with either a deck of cards or dice and cheap jewelry. Obviously, that uh, is going to be pretty easy. Those are what you get to start out with. But even going up levels, you're looking at getting different trade tools and then amulets. So yeah, at that very first tier, Fellowship is the name of the game, right? You're going to be able to boost it. And even playing as a, a wood elf, you're going to have a, you know, if you if you were a wood elf, again, either wood elf or human, you're going to probably have a huge fellowship anyways. And when we get to our career build-off, yeah, my starting fellowship is, by the time I was done with character creation, was all the way up to 50. So tie that in with some advances to those skills, and you're you're set to go. One of the things that is consistent through all these career, the different paths of this career, is that you never are going to be one that's raking in a lot of money, at least not in the normal sense of things. So brass, you start at brass one, tier two, it goes up to brass two, tier three, you guessed it, brass three, and tier four, of course, brass four. So you only are going up the slightest bit on your status with every career uh, step that you take. I was actually going to bring this up when we talk about roles, but... This is for, so I would take, looking at the skills, when we go through each tier, um, you, we've already said this is a really a fellowship powerhouse of a, of a career, but its biggest Achilles heel is its status, right? Yeah, so when you're, you're dealing, sure. when you're dealing with nobles sure. the, and everything, you're, I mean, you're high, you need, you need all that super high levels just to even the playing field because you're at such a low status. So it's an interesting, interesting character. And we'll see, we'll see a little bit of this with the agitator as well when we get to it. Right. Yep. So hitting tier two, that's when you actually become the mystic skills that you unlock here are bribery. Cool. Uh, Your next uh, second entertain, which is to uh, entertain prophecy. Evaluate, Intimidate, and Lore Astrology. All right, so the talents at Tier 2 are, again, going to be tied into the, you know, growing your ability to uh, detect magic and do things with within that. Those being, well, not magic necessarily, but just more of kind of like a spiritual and being able to sense things around you. Detect Artifact, Holy Visions, Sixth Sense, which is a, a great talent regardless of what career you're going to be in. And then well prepared, which well prepared is super neat. That is a talent that I don't believe I have access to in our actual play, but it is a really, really cool talent to be able to have. So essentially with well prepared, once per session, you can reach into your backpack and pull out a useful tool that you didn't previously purchase wow. uh, or didn't previously have with you. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the um, destiny Wars. points and one of the ways yep. that you could utilize those. Yeah, yep. in Star Wars. Yeah, there's a there's a talent or uh, in Star Wars or something. I think it's called Utility Belt or something, which allows you to spend a destiny point to get something and not have to pay for it. Um, yep. So, I mean, those are mechanics for another game, but this immediately made me think about that. Yeah. Well, and with, with well-prepared, you do have to pay for it. So if you can't afford the item, it's not like you could, you know, oh, you need to have this special signet ring to get into this, you know, private party or establishment. It's not like you could just reach in your bag and pull it out. Uh, it has to be something that you, you could have bought. Essentially, it's almost just like giving you a do-over, right? Uh, if you forgot to grab something before you left town. But again, really neat, really neat talent. And it's one that, that, as far as I'm concerned, does play into that kind of uh, mystical, you know, somebody who always has what they need, you know, can reach in and, and pull out something that uh, is useful at the time. It's, it's pretty neat. 
But in, you better in, hope you're with a noble because if you have to pay for it, there's not going to be much that you're going to be able to pull yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. But no, I will say this. Uh, in my games, it is acceptable to call this the Batman belt talent. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about money and while your status is always low and that is going to affect communicating with people that's going to you're going to take a hit to your fellowship in a sense by having a lower status than most pretty much everybody that you're going to be talking to but i feel like there's still ways that you can take advantage of your starting advance scheme to be able to make more money than you you know you might think right especially if you can start you know be able to uh to spin these webs and these stories to convince people of things almost reminds me a little bit of the movie inception right like if you could mm. convince somebody of something you uh, you could convince them to give you the shirt off their back if you're uh confident enough and can can convince them of that exactly so the only trappings that are listed for tier two are a selection of amulets again kind of just more uh mystical more magical type things so yep. and- I, I want to, I'll, I'll, you could say this a lot throughout these three careers we're going to talk about, but I'll just pick here to say it. Um, the trappings are always such a great source of inspiration for me, like a selection of amulets, like me as a GM or as a player, like I'm immediately thinking like, what is that selection of amulets? Why do you have it? What does it mean? Even is it meaningful? Is there some sort of do you detect magic on it? Like what, you know, there is so much you could do with the term selection of amulets that could be super yeah. cool. Yeah. Do you have them just so then you can try to convince people that they're magical? You know, you literally found it in a, you know, in a 50 cent jar and, you know, you're trying to sell it for a hundred bucks because you want to convince a noble that, oh, if you, you know, if you buy this, you're, you know, your next uh, business venture will succeed. <laughs> that's, I, I love that, Kyle. That's, yeah. that's a great point, right? Like awesome. you, uh, or, you, you find this piece of jewelry on the ground and you, yep. you shine it up a little bit and then you try to convince somebody that Sigmar himself owned this yep, amulet exactly. at one point. I was oh, yeah. That. This was wore around the neck of Sigmar himself. All right. I'll yep. pay you a thousand silver for it. Or, or maybe or it was, gold. Whatever. Maybe it was only one penny in that jar because it's cursed and they had to have somebody get, they had to get rid of it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah neat stuff. And this is uh, a prime example of where, um, and again, the, the trappings aren't meant to be like a requirement in order to go up to the next level, but more of like a guideline. In this case, it really screams to me that this should be the amulets need to be something that you come across in play that they, you acquire them as part of an adventure, right. not just going like, Oh, I need a, a bow and I need a male shirt. Like, okay, I could just go, I get some money. I buy those things. No, in this case you need it. You, you find these, right. Right. And it's with this amulet that you can, you start having your holy visions, right? Like when you gain uh. that talent, tie it into your, to your story to where, you know, you spend your XP, you get that talent. And that's something as a, as a GM, what Lance was saying is that you could tie it in a hundred different ways to give your players those amulets. Right. And you know, if if you want to, you can make five amulets say, you know, you can only pick one and work that in with the story. Each, each one has a different thing that the GM is intending it for. And depending on what the player picks, then, you know, that'll affect how the story goes. There's so much that you can do with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really neat. 
So moving on, once you hit tier three, that's when you become a sage. And again, you're only hitting brass three, so you're really moving on up in the world, but quite slowly. Um, this is the, the final entertain skill that you pick up as entertain storytelling. And by this point, if you started this career from scratch, I would imagine you probably have some pretty interesting stories to tell. Um, charm animal, language any, and then art writing. Uh, which makes sense considering this uh, talent, uh, this level is where you can pick up the read-write talent. Um, and this is also finally where you could actually start getting into being able to do magic and cast magic with uh, petty magic as a talent that you can pick up here. And as you know, and as we've talked about before, petty magic is so incredibly useful having access to those mm -hmm. spells. And again, it, it really ties back into that that whole mystical side of things. If you, I, I know that Lynn in our actual play has used the marsh lights in the past. If you imagine that you're, you know, you're traveling down the road, you come across this mystic who starts, you know, telling the story about these amulets that they have and their magical powers. And then out of nowhere, you start seeing these little uh, lights glowing all around you. Uh, just one example of one of the neat ways that you could tie petty magic into that. Um, nose for trouble is another interesting talent that lets you, you know, you kind of given your low standing and your low status, you kind of know where the, the CD side of town is. So that's a way to, um, to help utilize that as well. And then finally, one of our favorite talents that we've talked about in the past is witch, witch. which essentially lets you pick a spell, any spell, and you can utilize it. Uh, not without, uh, some danger though of course and and you do have to spend like a point of resilience for it too right so it's not it's expensive it is expensive for you to use right the the meta currency alone is something that you know you, is so rarely come by right but right. but the 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 ability here man it's it's such witches is, is right up there in in some of my favorite talents uh, because right. it allows you it's it's just like magic in the system right you can have anything you want at a cost right right so, mm -hmm. yeah yeah the cost of resilience point too that's that's no small small amount uh, and even I mean you know if you if you were gonna start this career as a a wood elf unless you take use some of your extra points to gain resilience yeah, you you're not going to start with any right so something to consider when building a character all right finally as the as we hit tier four that's when you become an actual seer uh your skills you unlock here are lore prophecy and channeling azir and this is where you kind of come full circle with the being able to cast spells so this you can pick up arcane magic celestia Magical sense, menacing, and strong-minded. So the magic, the arcane magic celestia is really fascinating in this. And in the magic chapter, there's actually a little sidebar that talks about seers specifically. Because as a seer, you don't technically have access to all of the lores of heavens. It's You can only actually do a small subset of those. And all of them have to do with fortune points. So the seer career, you gain access to the arcane magic heavens talent. The only spells you can take are fate's fickle fingers, star crossed, and then the first, second, and third uh, portents of a mool. 
And again, all of these have something to do with fortune. Fate's Fickle Fingers has all of the allies in the area uh, essentially combine their fortune points into one pool. So, you know, that would work if somebody needed fortune but didn't have any or had already spent all theirs. You could do this to where, you know, everybody gets lucky for a short amount of time. Starcross uh, is another one of the spells you could use. This one lets you spend your fortune points to force opponents to reroll. And then the first, second, third importance of a mool give you either bonus fortune points that have to be used during the session or uh, by the end of the duration. And then also the third one, which is ridiculous, you gain a fate point. Again, it must be used within that duration. But essentially, I almost think of that as like the ability to resurrect. Right? Like if you have somebody that's going down, if you could, you know, uh, or if it looks like that's going to be the case, being able to cast that spell and give somebody a fate point that doesn't have it. That's huge. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is, and I'm, I'm glad you caught that. I missed that on page 248 about the seers, but it, I love it because it's so thematic. Right. Yeah. Yep. I thought that too. I was like, uh, you know, as I was going through digging into this career and uh, doing my character build, I, you know, flip back to that page and notice that there was this little sidebar that, that, uh, you know, you're not, uh, don't have access to everything. Now, again, with the witch talent, you, you could do some really interesting things with that. You could pick up a spell that you wouldn't normally, but yeah, really tying in to having the, the fortune points. And especially if you spent some time, right, really stick into that first career or that first, uh, level, the fortune teller where you have access to the luck talent, you could take that, um, shoot. What is it? I don't know. Right offhand. It's limited by your willpower bonus, uh, fellowship bonus. So again, so another amazing tie in to the fellowship, right? You're going to have a huge fellowship. You can take luck as many times up to your fellowship bonus. So if you have a 40 fellowship bonus, you could, I mean, it'd be expensive in XP. Don't get me wrong, but you could get luck up to level four. That means you gain an additional four fortune points every single session. Which means even if you have to spend fate, fate lowers your fortune, but you have so much fortune already. I mean, that could be that could be huge, especially for someone that is much more likely to miscast than a wizard. Right, <laughs> so, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it is it's really neat. Looking back at the times that I've I've seen luck in the past, I've always kind of thought like, okay, well, I'll grab it real quick, get an extra fortune point, and I'm good. Well, there's nothing saying you can't take that three or four times depending on your fellowship bonus. Mm-hmm. And what kind of advantage do you have in play having a super high amount of fortune points? Yeah, well, and that's that's a trick. It is still limited by the fact you can't re-roll the re-roll, right? With the exception of right. corruption. But, I mean, the ability to... Like, instead of sitting there thinking in a combat situation, oh, man, do I want to spend this fortune? I, I might want to save it for a more important role. If you have buckets of it, you can, you can just fortune every role, you know? Right. It, it's, and it allows you to be much more potentially effective in whatever you're trying to do. Yep. And it, it just it hammers home that thematic feel, right, of this, mm-hmm. this mystical, this fortune teller. Yeah, really, really neat stuff. Uh and I think even more so than some other careers, you can really see the progression in this and how you're, you're going one step at a time. Uh, I should mention that the trappings at level three and four are trade tools. 
uh, writing in tier three and uh, astrology in tier four. So again, not things that are going to be super hard to come by right. uh, out of the world. It's interesting at tier three, how much is tied into the read, write talent, right? There's really no point in being able to do art writing if you can't write without that talent. Mm. And also there's no point in having trade tools writing again, if you can't write. Right. So, yeah. So this, I guess, brings us to what kind of roles this career can fill. I think the, <laughs> the most obvious one, uh, say it with me, is the face of face. Right, exactly. Yep. So having that super high fellowship, having access to all those skills and talents that are going to boost it. There's no question. And, and that, right from the beginning, like, oh, yeah, like you could stay. So there are some like as we do these, right, we come across some careers where you're like, grab what you want out of tier one and get out as quick as you can. There's not yeah. a lot of benefit for staying there. This is not one of those careers. You could feasibly stay here for a, for a long, long time. time. Yeah. I mean, unless you unless you have those skills that are already pretty low um, or you want to save up for those talents, I mean, you know, you could definitely do that. But if, if you're a fellowship character and you're starting this, I'm assuming that you know, your fellowship is already going to be fairly high. So those skills, you, you might have them pretty high, pretty early anyway. Yeah. Right. You could be, you could be rolling over 50% of these, you know, in no time, but something, something to think about, right. Is Matt, you're with your idea of buy luck four times, right? Well, you can only buy talents in their current tier. So right. you have to stay in tier one to get, to, you know, get as much yeah, luck as you want. a lot of experience. It is, right? But it doesn't, I wouldn't feel if I were playing this character, like let's say I decided I wanted luck three times and that was a goal I had. I wouldn't feel overly punished as the party's face staying in this tier for long enough to get there. Oh, absolutely not. Right? Yep. So that you, you literally, I was just about to say, or I was thinking that same thing where most of these careers that we've done, I always feel like, all right, I got to get to tier two. Once you hit tier two, that's when you really feel like that career, right? That's when you, you mm -hmm. realize what this career can do. I don't feel that way with this one. I, I feel like, this career is arguably at its best at tier one. Yep. It's for me, at least it's not, I wouldn't be like, you know, chomping at the bit giddy to play this career at tier two, the same way I would at tier three, three and four, when you start getting some of the, those other cool talents and stuff I, for, obviously that's going to be a lot of, a lot yeah. of fun, but I, I was just going to say, and I think really, if you want to get into those higher levels, that's only really going to benefit you if you want to change careers after, because you're not going to be good enough in the channeling and that stuff for it really to matter. So, cause like I said, you're going to be a face. So you want to get all that stuff that's in the first tier and, you know, a little bit in the second tier, but as you go up in the tiers, it changes from a face character into a little bit more of a, you know, like a magical character, like a but a support yeah, character. But that's, yeah. that's not going to be what your character well, statted out for. Well, I, so, sure. so I agree and not to jump us ahead here, but the way I see this overall, this, this, uh, career is all of the tiers are face and everything moving yep. forward just helps support that. Now, yep. even tier one and two, I would say a secondary role would be slight support, right? With, mm -hmm. with haggle and gossip, um, you know, exactly. and, you know, some of those like lore and holy vision, six cents, all of that stuff is support kind of stuff for your party. But 
as you just said, tier three and tier four, you get support. Support takes a big jump. Now, right. here's here's the thing I would say to what you said. If you are wanting to play a magic-based character, like we're doing all this work to get to tier three and four for like partial benefit, isn't you need to leave this career and go to wizard. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but if that if that's what you're thinking for sure. But if you love being the face and you just want to find more fun and unique ways to support the party, I absolutely could see someone like I love my mystic. I want to stay in mystic. Going to tier three and four is just a natural progression of getting some extra cool stuff I can do. Yep, exactly. Yeah, the biggest hurdle on this career, hands down, is gonna be that status. Because you're you're yeah. always at the bottom looking up. Yep. Um you know, there's only one step lower than brass one. <laughs> and we all know that only the poor beggar, or there might be a few others that start at brass zero, but that's, uh, that's rough, right? Trying to dig your way out of that hole. Yeah. Like one I said, of the you really paired up with a noble or else you're not going to be able to get anything. <clears throat> yeah. Ever. Well, but one... keep in, keep in mind the, the worst you'll be looking at is a minus 20 on social status. Like if you follow the rules, very specifically. So I would argue that you have enough access to enough cool fellowship based stats in this to offset that. But, but when you're dealing with low level brass level characters, you know, the villagers and the peasants and stuff, that is where you are going to be like on top of it. You're going to shine for sure. So one of the interesting like story hook ideas I had for this is leading into the the witch the kind of witch aspect of it uh, and i realized that that's going to be harder to do right considering you don't really become a witch up until you get up to tier three but this really kind of reminds me of a hey, kyle you're going to know exactly what i'm saying as soon as i say it anybody who's a fan of game of thrones mm. this character really reminds me of melisandra mm-hmm. who is this She's magical like, like literally, yeah exactly like- yeah, I mean, she she sees things and she gets people to go to wars because of it. Yep. You know, can they, convince they people that it. she can see the future, that she can see the past, and what even hits you're home even more? This, you're done for. You know, you, you're supposed to do that. It's your destiny, right? She led mm. a man and his entire army to his death and all of their deaths because her vision said she, that it's your had destiny. Him burn his own child to death. Yeah, yeah, and. So what really hammers this home is thinking about the amulet, right? And if you, as a witch, if you have a, a spell that will, you know, show your visage as a, a different than what it normally is, you mm. could make yourself look like anything. Mm-hmm. And in Melisandre's case, she has this amulet around her neck that is this beautiful, like ruby amulet. While she's, you know, young, super attractive, very like seductive in the show and in the in the books. When she takes that off, she ages like a hundred years. She looks and like, is this like from the art on page eighty-two. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, anyways, that like is an interesting story hook. Or if I was going to try to describe this, that that'd be a really neat way of going about it, and it'd be a fun way to tie in your selection of amulets as well. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, other like obvious uh, advancing into other careers, ones that have good synergy, any magic career. Anything that, you know, is going to, uh, that, or, or a career that lacks fellowship, I think is one where this makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, like we said, you could start in this career, boost your fellowship as high as you can get it, and then jump out and go into your next career with a head start of having some awesome talents, some awesome skills. 
one thing that this this career clearly is not is combat focused right so going into a combat focused career you're going to be starting from the very bottom yep uh and that's something that i think i would probably caution against depending on how you wanted to go about it right yep what are some other ways you could fit this career into an adventuring party? So a couple ideas I had, um, if you're driven by a vision or a prophecy that you had, maybe you don't want to tell anyone else, but it, it gives you a tie in to the characters. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you could be part of a petty theft game or a scam, right. That all of the players are a part of potentially, right. That's how you could fit into the party. Or you could just be one of those people that, right. I mean, the downside is, is that a lot of these type of mystics, are hunted by witch hunters and stuff for, you know, whether real or imagined use of magic. Right. So absolutely. Maybe you, your story is just, I can't stay in one town too long. So I've attached myself to this group, you know? Mm -hmm. So those are just a few additional ideas I had. Sounds perfect. Yeah. Very cool. So I think this is probably going to be pretty obvious. Uh, This is, is really fascinating career. One that I, I would not be opposed to playing. But again, like I've said throughout, I don't, for me, this is more of a career that I'd want to, where the first tier is so good uh, and the rest of the tiers don't um, jump out as being totally, totally worth spending the time, you know, to get up to tier two or three. I mean, you're talking, you know, dozens of sessions to get to that point. Whereas if you really just tank up on tier one and you move into something else, you could do some awesome stuff with that. Yeah. I actually, um, so I guess I would think I had a couple of final thoughts here. Um, this is, this career has a lot of options in it, right? It it lets you dabble in a lot of different things. Um, and, uh, so it would be a great party member for a GM, right? Access to visions and things like that, right? There's a lot of ways to drive story with Sixth Sense visions and these type, this type of character, who would like to play this someone that can play the fine line of a face character with no social standing in a Warhammer world is your ideal player. Um, not all face people that like face characters are going to like the fact that you're your brass one. And I also think anybody who's really fascinated with things that are mysterious. Yes. Right. Like if you already are into like astrological signs and you love like the idea of like a medium or a seer, this I think would be right up your alley. Yep. I agree. Uh, the one thing I would ta- caution people on is is magic. You don't have access to any of those protective talents. So when you do get the magic and the support, you just keep in mind, right, like those talents which help you avoid miscasts and the wizard talent and so forth don't exist here. So um, there's a lot of potential for big explosions, which I think is awesome. But it's, you know. It's that's, a, that's an excellent point. Yeah. That- you know, as a wizard, you can get arrhythmic attunement. You know, what is that tier one or tier two? Pretty quickly. Yep. Yep, exactly. And uh, instinctive diction, you have access to these things that are going to keep you out of trouble when it comes to casting spells. And as a mystic, and I think thematically so, that's not going to be the case. Yep. And I think it's perfect for the flavor of the mystic. It's uh, just that's the thing. If you're playing the mystic and you love the face version and great, now I'm going to get magic. Just don't think you're going to become a wizard. Right. <laughs> Cause that's not what it's meant to be. Yeah. If you right. go try to cast some arcane lightning or something, you're, you're going to be running out of those fate points pretty quick. 
Final thoughts, Kyle? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a great character to, like like Matt said, I was thinking along the same lines when when he was describing it is jump in with the fellowship early and then just get out because as you go along, um, it turns into a different kind of character that, you know, it's heavy in fellowship, but it's not really heavy in the, you know, in the supporting uh, character aspect. So, I mean, if you, if you spend all that XP to get up and take the skills and take the talents, um, you know, you just might dilute your character and turn it from just an awesome face character that, you can jump into something else and you might be wasting your XP on stuff that you might not use that much or you might try to use and uh, you're going to have to re-roll a new character eventually. With the exception, I would say, of Petty Magic, which is the ultimate support right. talent in my opinion. For sure. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Yep. I would also just like to point out that the art for this this uh, career is awesome. Yeah. There's this uh, skull that is being suspended between horns on the... Uh, you know, whatever headdress or helm that she's wearing. And there's a uh, purity seal stuck to the top of the skull. I just think it's so awesome. (laughs) And any skull that is shrunken and has hair is freaky. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a normal skull is not. Right. Right. All right. So you guys ready to move on to Agitator? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So our next one is Agitator. Page 61 uh, in your core rule book, if you're following at home. Uh, agitator is a career that can be uh, done by dwarf, halfling, humans, and gnomes. So none of the elven varieties. Um, uh, you know, ra- getting people rab- riled up is not their way. Um, so uh, what is this career? This career is essentially a fighter for a cause. You know, you're or being paid to fight for a cause, right? <laughs> Either way. Um, it's, it's the idea here is all about swaying public opinion. And I, I want to mention it's place in the old world is very much it's that, but it's, it's a little bit different. Um, they're a rabble rouser. They're paid to rule the mobs, right? Um, one of the ways that like the empire is controlled, right, is, you know, nobles and merchant families and all of this. There's all these competing interests. But one of the tools in your toolbox as a, a ruling elite, whether you be a rich merchant or a, or a noble or whatever, is getting the mob to do what you want it to do. And the way you do that is through an agitator. Let's talk about the advanced scheme. The advanced scheme is super interesting. So first off, you have ballistic skill, which as we go through this career, you're going to realize is not something you are really ever going to use other than, you know, it's nice to have. Um, right. Well, I, I almost think ballistic skill in this case is less about, um, you know, loading and firing a crossbow and more about like launching a fire bottle or a uh, piece of stone or something or, or right. a rotten tomato. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. There no, you you're, that's very true. Um, intelligence uh, and fellowship are also on the top of the list there. And um, for your tier one, where, uh, which are come into play heavily. Uh, tier two, you get agility. Tier three, you get weapon skill. And tier four, you get initiative. So let's let's break down the tiers. First off, I just want to start talk about status. We're looking at the exact same situation as a mystic here. 
brass one, two, three, and then it's brass five for tier four. So a little bit better than the mystic, but you stay in brass Boy, the whole time compared to the mystic. I mean, you're right. basically rolling in the, in the dough over here. Yeah. Brass five. Woo. <laughs> right. So tier one is a pamphleteer. Um, and your starting skills are art, writing, bribery, charm, consume alcohol, gossip, haggle, lore, politics, and trade printing. Charm is your money-making skill. Um, and uh, as you can see, all of those, this is very, so the starting here is very similar to the Mystic. Hugely fellowship-focused, right? Absolutely. Um, a little bit of difference in its focus, but it's very thematic for what, you know, an agitator or pamphleteer is. Um, and its talents support that as well. Um, but uh, as opposed to the mystic, where the mystic's talents immediately start to get you some of those kind of cool, dare I say, mystical sort of situations, these talents are more about talking to and controlling crowds or 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 using sure. your fellowship in a direct way. So blather. So blather. Gregarious is a big one too. Yeah, yep. Blather is a is a favorite, right? Um you could basically give stunned conditions to people as you talk nonsense. Gregarious gets you a bonus to gossip test. Um panhandle, which is a bonus to begging, which begging is based on charm, which is something that you could potentially have a major and I think about this in a pamphleteer sort of standpoint. That makes a lot of sense, right? You're probably not making a ton of money, as is, but begging might be a way to get money. Um, and then read write skill right from the beginning, which I think is is huge. Um, uh, trappings include a writing kit, hammer and nails, and a pile of leaflets. Um, Very nice. Yeah, a pile of leaflets goes right in line with amulets, right? Like it's just what's on those leaflets. Why do you have yeah. them? You know, there's story there. It's dripping with story, and we don't even know yet what it is. Yep. Are you trying to spread truth with those, or mm -hmm. are they they you know whose version information? Whose yeah, version exactly. of the truth, right? Um, you know, and so uh, tier two, we go to agitator. Um, so these skills: cool, dodge, entertain, storytelling, gamble, intuition, and leadership. Uh, again, hugely fellowship focused. Um, you get talents that are Alley Cat, which is a bonus to stealth in, in urban environments, Argumentative, which gives you a bonus to charm when you're debating, Impassioned Zeal and Public Speaker. Both are set up to help you influence large groups of people, um, which is, which is it, right. So the focus, and, and I see the focus here for this fellowship-based character, that you can really, I mean, they give you the mechanics to affect large amounts of people. Um, yep both by having fellowship as one that you can boost and public speaking and leadership at that second tier. Like that's, that's the beginning right there yep. of really being able to influence a crowd of people. Yeah. And that, that agility to run away when the crowd gets rowdy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, tier three is a rabble rouser, uh, giving you skills of athletics, intimidate melee brawling perception, which I want to say melee brawling is the only combat skill in this entire career. Um, right. And yep, and it's, it's weaponless, which I think is hilarious and very, very fitting. But then again, look at the talents. Cat tongue, right? Helps you lie. Um, dirty fighting, right? B which is a bonus to brawl. Flee and step aside, which is, allows you to move after dodge. I mean, you, again, this entire thing is this is not built to fight right it's built to run away 
<laughs> after you get things going crazy. Um, and in fact, your trappings here, I think I forgot to say, trappings on Tier 2 is a leather jack, where in Tier 3 it's a hand weapon and a pamphleteer, so you have your own follower at this point, um, which I always find that fun when we're talking about careers. There's a lot you can do with that. Tier 4, Demagogue. Uh, so this, you have Lore Heraldry and Ride Horse as a skill. So you're more of the, oh, I'm an accomplished agitator at this point. Um, talents include Etiquette Any, Master Orator, another crowd influence, Schemer. Yep. Schemer is a cool talent. Um, Schemer is super neat. Yeah, you have this, you can essentially get the secret test that your GM does to see if you can see into the schemes of the politics, and then your GM tells you what you what you deduce. And whether that's true or not depends on how well that role is that you can't see. It's right. so cool. I wish it was at a lower level, honestly. Right, um, yeah, true. Suave um, gives you that bonus to fellowship way all the way at tier four, but at that point, um, that's probably going to be a super low price to get that kind of bonus. Right. Um, and then tra trappings include this time three pamphleteers and a patron, a printing press, and an impressive hat. Uh, takes me back. Impressive hats. <laughs> so, all right. So what role can this career fill? So all together now, face, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say at tier one, its secondary role would be support. Again, similar to the mystic where, you know, you have the haggle and the gossip. Like you can utilize your, you know, fellowship skills to help the party. Um, yeah, good with getting information, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah, Both absolutely. With uh, gossip tests and um, gregarious. That's a talent yes. you get right at tier one. That's that's going to you're going to be passing gossip tests twice as often, essentially, with that. Right. Absolutely. Yep. I and. And it only gets better. Um, in fact, really, tier two, three, and four, I would say the primary roles is face and support. You just, again, get more and more support, but you're always going to be primarily a face through this entire thing. Um, and the real difference, like when you go, we're looking at two characters already that are hugely face characters, right? But they're they're slightly different, where the mystic is influencing people by, you know, telling fortunes and you know a pure fellowship it's more of a one-on-one -on -one thing the agitator is with the talents is clearly built to influence large people large numbers of people at once so how do you guys think you would fit this career into an adventuring party any idea what are your ideas oh um i mean it's a it's a tough one but i think probably the easiest thing would be you know, that he is in the streets spewing the same line that the, um, you know, that the adventuring party is on. You know, if they're going to look into the, you know, the green skin invasion, he, you know, he's out there spewing about it. And, you know, they have no idea where to start. So they, you know, they ask an agitator who's talking all about it about, hey, you know, we're, we're looking into this. Nobody else seems interested. You know, where do we start? And then, oh, well, hey, if you're not, you know, if you're going to do something about it, here, come with me. Yeah, I agree. Um, similar to that is imagine that your game starts with the party is put together because your patron, whoever's in charge, puts together a group and they need somebody that knows the streets. 
right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, an agitator is going to know what's going on in the streets, right? Absolutely. Um, For sure. I would say any party that is set in or even starts in a major city, it could be easy to find an excuse to have an agitator be part of the party, to know somebody in the party. Um, city is going to be where agitators are going to be thriving, generally not in rural communities. Or maybe they're running away from authorities, maybe because of their connections with the people that are trying to control the narrative. Um, sure. They know exactly. too much, right? They've they put said, together said something. Yep. Said something to the wrong people or, you know, they right. stumbled onto this this plan that uh, mm-hmm. was was being kept secret. Yep. Love it. So a lot of different options there. I was going to mention that there's a really interesting uh, tie in between the agitator and one of the endeavors the class endeavor for the burgers and peasants is foment dissent oh yeah which essentially ties into this exactly right i mean you're already posting information and trying to potentially undermine a uh political class or uh you know the ruling party in a in a city between what you have access to in the advanced scheme and the career path of the agitator and doing that class endeavor, you could, you could topple a whole, mm. a whole town, right? Oh, you yeah. could convince people that Absolutely. the, uh, the ruling folks there are, you know, have, don't have their best interest in mind, whether it's true or not and cause some real havoc. Yeah. And I would, I would say GMs, if you have an agitator as part of your group and they plan to stay in there for any amount of time, you need to create a situation where that endeavor is extremely attractive because that could that could be the set piece for your entire campaign. So yep. definitely something to look at there. Um, so good synergy and bad synergy. Um, to be 100% honest, I think it's exactly the same as the Mystic, right? Mm-hmm. You know, any face character, you can easily go out. Um, you could argue that range character could sort of be an easier jump because you already have ballistic skill. But again, you're probably not putting a ton of experience into it. Um, moving from this phase two character to a character with a higher status could really be a good benefit. Similar to the mystic again, a fighter or any combat career, like while it might help round you out, it's nothing you're doing here is really going to help you there. So just uh, let's final thoughts and overview guys. Like, you know, what kind of player would most enjoy this? What are your final thoughts? I think, I think the, the type of player that would enjoy this would have to have a little bit more of a voice at the table than a mystic. You know, while they're both face characters, a mystic is, you know, calm and, you know, reading fortunes and things like that. Whereas an agitator is, you know, the guys in the streets, the street preachers and, you know, stuff like that. They're not going to be quiet. You know, they're going to have to rile people up. So, you know, if it's someone who's shy, that's not going to work. But you're going to have to have somebody that enjoys role playing quite a bit, I think. Yeah, role playing. Uh, as much as I like hate saying this, somebody who either watches or is willing to watch Alex Jones, <laughs> like this, this is the kind of like, God forbid, if he was in the Warhammer world, I feel like he would be an agitator, right? You yeah. having the ability to convince people of these these uh, different things, rile people up. You're not yep. the one that's doing the actually physically out in the streets. You're just getting people riled up and making them do it for you kind of have that mindset a little bit. Uh, so in that sense, I don't think this would be super easy to role play. 
No, I think it's, and I agree. I think it's it's similar to the mystic in a lot of ways, but where you know you have to be comfortable with role play um, and possibly politics. Obviously, if if you got a group of gamers that hates dealing with politics, you know, it, agitator is probably not something they want to stay in too long. It's got to be a character that is okay not being on the front line. Again, similar to Mystic, right? You're not going to go, you know, sword fighting with this career very much. And your low status and lack of combat skills can make a lot of different situations difficult. But amazing face talent ability, slightly different than the Mystic, but still you can really pump in very early and be a very, very big face character at tier one. Again, this is this is one where you can stay in tier one to get all your cool read, write, blather, all that cool stuff before moving on, and you're not going to feel punished because you are waiting for XP while you're here. So exactly. So that's the agitator. Uh, yeah. So I will go in and jump in here. I am. I dug a little bit deeper into the bounty hunter, which is on page eighty-five. For those of you following along at home, uh, literally any race can be a bounty hunter so you know play whoever you want that makes for a lot of different builds can i inter- i want to interrupt real quick because you said page 85 and i want to say this right the mystic and the agitator artwork are great but that bounty hunter artwork man yeah top notch mm. one of the best yeah easily so good yeah so. it's amazing um and it, it it brings in account everything that i'll i'll dig into here in a little bit Everybody knows what a bounty hunter is, hunts criminals in a different way than, you know, soldiers might. Advanced scheme, tier one, weapon skill, toughness, and agility. Tier two is ballistic skill. Tier three is strength. And tier four is intelligence. This is already in stark contrast in a lot of yeah, ways to the, the last two. Like, like opposite. <laughs> right? And another way that it is quite literally the opposite is the deeper you go the better and better and better this character is going to end up being so tier one thief taker status a silver one you're making you know a little bit of money you're basically like a millionaire right you're rich at that point by comparison (laughs) of course to uh to lance and i well just wait It, it gets a little bit better so the skills that you get bribery charm gossip haggle intuition melee outdoor survival and perception so kind of going along with what you guys had in your in your tiers uh the first tier is a lot of face skills which doesn't really go along with the bounty hunter but if you think about a bounty hunter they'll you know they need to gather information they need to talk to people their talents in tier one are breaking and entering which adds damage if you're targeting windows or anything like that shadow strike to stun and suave, which again is a little weird. That adds five to the fellowship characteristic, but you know this is not a phase character at all. Well, uh, I think it's it's important to have that though, because if you have a really bad role at fellowship, whether or not your character is built to to have a lot of fellowship or not, or to need fellowship, that is such a key characteristic. Oh, absolutely. there are like half of the basic skills or close to it use fellowship. Right. So being able to get a plus five to that characteristic with just 100 XP and getting that talent, that's a big deal. Absolutely, it is. And then the trappings are a hand weapon, a leather jerkin, and a rope, which makes sense given you know what, what the career is. And I think 
the, the one of the best talents. I, you you should definitely stay here and get a couple. Suave is important, but Shadow is really cool too. That allows you to follow somebody, uh, combining a perception and stealth test. And if you fail the perception, you lose the target, but you stay hidden. And if you lose the stealth test, then you stay on the target, but you're found. So that adds a lot, you know, to the story. That's a uh, neat a neat mechanic for sure. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And. Tier two of the bounty hunter, you're moving up uh, silver three, so we're moving on up for real. The skills are athletic, endurance, intimidate, ranged crossbow, ranged entangle, and track. So you know the ranged entangle is obviously why the character art's got that awesome net in her hand, ready to ready to entangle her her bounty. And the crossbow comes into play a lot in the next couple tiers, and I'll get into those here in a second. The talents for this one I like a lot. Marksman adds five to ballistic skill right off the bat. Relentless plays into the ranged mechanic where if you're engaged with someone and you want to disengage, you don't necessarily lose your advantage. Season Traveler, Strongback. Strongback adds levels to oppose strength tests, and it also helps you with your encumbrance. And then Season Traveler just adds some lore you know, to your character. The trappings are crossbow. 10 bolts, leather skull cap, manacles, warrant papers, and a net. So a lot of trappings needed for that for that tier two, but you know, it's it's a crossbow and bolts, which will help you out a lot and got some got some armor in there with the leather skull cap as well. Warrant papers. That's your story driver item right there. Absolutely. Oh, yep. oh for sure. Yep. Well, and I think the some of those talents are really neat. Marksman is great for yeah, the obvious awesome. reasons. Right season traveler right in a lot of cases you're going to yeah. be going in getting a bounty in a town that you're not familiar with so being able to gather information and know a little bit as before you get there is is pretty important but even more than that strong back might not immediately jump out as something that's important but when you think about the character if you're tracking somebody and you're you know on the road or out in the woods somewhere yeah, and you, you capture your bounty you got to carry him right. and Yep. This is one of the, the careers where encumbrance can play a huge, important deal. Because if it's a matter of like, if you're over encumbered and you can't carry your crossbow and the bounty you just took, yeah, what are you going to do? That sucks to be you, right? So right. in this case, strong back would be super important. Well, I in, mean, in the Warhammer world, you're just going to chop off the bounty's head and bring him in dead. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, if, you, if you, can't, you can't carry them, you got to do what you got to do, man. No, GM, I don't need the cumbrance for my the, the bounty I just had. I just need the cumbrance for his head. What is that? I only take <laughs> dead bounties. So, no, actually, it, it comes into play more often, right? You guys just recently gave me your updated character seats for the actual play, um, and I have almost everyone, and more than half of you are over-encumbered. So, technically, mm. I should be making you guys have all sorts of penalties. So, like... It's a it's an interesting concept that uh, that I think is depending on where you stand. Some some game groups like just hand wave encumbrance and all that kind of stuff. Like you know, oh, you're carrying a thousand gold pieces. How much does a thousand gold pieces weigh? Dang, right? But you know that sort of thing. It's still very cool. Yeah, and I I bet uh, the only person that's not over encumbered is good old Thor. Probably that would be correct. Well, All for right. the for the record, I think at one point in one of our episodes we left a bunch of stuff at the Holes Manor. Um, uh, we probably didn't take it off of our sheets. Yeah, I think on my character sheet, I want to say I like circled those things so that I knew that's what where they were. But ah, who can remember? All right, 
Yeah, so tier three, you are now a master bounty hunter. Status silver five. Silver five, by the way, in, in my experience, is the best one. Gold one is a higher status, but it's, it's statistically way less money than silver five. Right. So the skills here, they kind of take a turn. Animal care, climb, ride horse, and swim. So just some more general skills for your character. The talents here, I think, start to get insane. So you get accurate shot, which uh, helps deal damage with ranged weapons. Careful strike. Uh, you can add 10 or subtract 10 per level to your hit location. So if you have two levels of that and you roll a 34, you can change that to a 14 or a 54. And, you know, if you're trying to dodge armor or something like that, you can change that, you know, to, you know, that that takes up three different areas of the body. So right. Yeah. Or you just a lot of flexibility. You just yeah. rolled a crit. You want that crit to be on the head. Exactly. Right. Yep. Dual wielder, uh, which is pretty cool. Obviously, that's pretty self-explanatory. You get to carry two pistols or two, you know, whatever you're using. And there are some interesting rules on that. And then sprinter. It just adds one to your run. So, then, you know, that's, I don't know. That's kind of math. That, uh, actually, well, that, hey, it, it, it could be legitimate. It's, like it's not it meant yeah you're could. chasing down somebody who's a little bit faster than you <laughs> yeah right it could yeah i mean to me that was one thing that when i'm looking at that am i really gonna that that'll be my last one that i get in that in that tier that's for sure because yep. those other three are just so so good i think because oh. you're going to use your accurate shot to carefully strike somebody uh right between the eyes with exactly. your with your crossbow before you need to worry about sprinting yeah i'm gonna shoot them right in the back now, so they, or, or in the leg, you know, so they can't run anymore, and then I can walk up to them. Now that he said that, my next my next encounter for Bonnie Hunter is going to be uh, a, a rooftop chase against an elf. <laughs> well, yep, that's not going to happen with old Thor. Yeah. That's for damn sure. He's going to fall and die. So <laughs> let's not do that. <laughs> the trappings here are a mail shirt, a riding horse, and a saddle. So you're definitely becoming a better bounty hunter and you're starting to get that horse so that you don't have to carry that body. You can lug it on your horse. And then finally tier four, you were a bounty hunter general with status of gold one. So you have literally risen from the bottom to the top. The skills for this are drive and Lord law. So you're definitely becoming more of a, a leader of possibly a bounty hunter guild or a couple other bounty hunters or something instead of just being the in the trenches kind of guy. Talents for tier four are a dead eye shot. So which good. you get to pick the location. There's no rolling. There's no none of that. You get to pick where you want to shoot. So good, man. All of these talents. There are so many talents here that all add up to you being an absolute machine when yes. it comes to uh, ballistic skill combat. Absolutely. And if you if you if you do that with a dual wield, you know, you're dual wielding pistols, say, and if your ballistic skill is high enough that you hit both of those and you have those talents, you're just gonna annihilate people. Right. Or um, or making sure your net hits the right hits exactly. the legs or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Right. yep. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my throw my little bola here or whatever and you know my little net and and Get them, get them right around the leg so again i don't have to chase them fearless bounty 
you know, you pass your fear test if you're going up against a crazy bounty. It's so much easier to pass so your fear. This, this I tend to think of as Van Helsing level, right? Like you just got, yep. you're given a vampire for a, for a bounty. You don't care. You're that. Yeah, you're not phased. You're, yeah, you're not phased. Where I mean, if I throw a vampire at you guys, right? Like you think about it. I mean, I forget what it is. I'm assuming they have terror. They have or a, a ridiculous amount of fear, right? That can be a big problem when you're fighting something intense like that. So I actually think, and it's fearless bounties, right? So you I, can argue that. Like, I have a bounty for an orc. I have a bounty for it. doesn't matter. Whatever you have a bounty for, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, Sigmar incarnate. You don't fear them. Yep. You're, you're, it's your mission, and you're going to complete it. Yep. Uh, Hardy is crazy for every level of that. You get an extra wound. So, you know, you, you get to add, you know, you get to tier three, you get to add to your strength bonus tier one, you get to add to your toughness bonus. So if you completely max those up and it's crazy hard to get any more wounds, just throw a couple in Hardy and you're going to get two more wounds. Yeah. Well, it's more than two. Yeah. It's, it's your toughness bonus. Oh, every, every time you take it. Which, right. if you're at tier four and toughness is one of your, like, I'm expecting yeah, that to be four. four or five, especially oh. if you're a dwarf, it's going to be five probably at this point. So right. you're adding five extra wounds per level of hardy, which is gnarly. So, yeah, for sure. To, to, to be honest with you, like, tier four is kind of meh when it comes to the skills or the status gold one. I, I don't care about drive or law, the talents. I go to tier four just to get these because every single one of these talents yeah, is amazing. And that's what I was saying. It's the total opposite of where you guys were with the mystic and the agitator because tier one, you get what you got to get, you get out. But bounty hunter, the, the, the higher and higher you go in that chain, the better everything is. And I mean, sure shot, you ignore armor points. So you're going up against somebody who is fully you know fully covered in plate armor use your sure shot okay you hit them right where that chink in the armor is and you know you ignore how, what how many damage um, you know, or how many, one how many... one point of armor per level but i mean in that so for 300 experience you know at this level right. you can ignore two points of armor so and if you have dead eye shot you're already choosing where you're hitting all oh. right I know he has less armor on the head. I'll go there and, oh, yeah, you don't get any armor because I have sure shot and it takes away your armor points. And armor is huge, too, because armor can absorb criticals. So by the time, I mean, and with all the other right accurate shot that you have and all these other things, man, you. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. And then the trappings, uh, I mean, they're they're okay. I mean, they're they pull they, they tie into the narrative really well you're you have a drought horse in a cart so you can go cart up a whole whole gang of thieves or something and bring them back uh mail shirt again which i i'm thinking that was probably a typo or something that was probably supposed to be something else just odd that it's a trapping for level three and level four uh and then uh, four pairs of manacles is the last trapping yeah bounty hunters legit yeah yeah really really laser focused right on yeah on bettering yourself within that career right all of the talents man the i the talent for me talents are always what make these these careers right ways to like specialize and to improve on the the things that you're going to need 
the the talents here are incredible. And if you can get a handful of those that all oh, that make your shots better, you know, marksman, accurate shot, careful strike, deadly shot, all of those, by the time you're done, you're a force to be reckoned with. Especially yeah, and, with a crossbow. Oh yeah. Like right, you're I, you're just gonna be demolishing <laughs> people. I almost wish it's a bummer that there isn't that like black powder weapons aren't included in here that your ranged your ability with ranged is limited to crossbow and entangling. Right. Uh, it, I felt like maybe at tier two or three, pistol. right. You're right. Right. Exactly. That at tier two or three, they could have given you a range to any, and then you get to, you know, you take your pick at that point. Right. Yeah. Even, yeah, even that, a range four fit. would be, or a tier four for like a, right. a range. Any would have been cool. But yeah. at the same time, I mean, I got to tell you at, by the time I'm far enough into a campaign where I'm tier three or four, I'm spending an endeavor to get another Absolutely. range um, skill because, yeah. you know, whether that be black powder or even just a normal bow. And could it be honest with all of these range talents, even if you pick up a range weapon, you're not familiar with, you are still going to be pretty deadly. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, if you have all those other talents, you might not even need to reload. The encounter might be over if you just get <laughs> one turn. Right? Uh, yeah, so like Matt said, the the roles that this character can fill, right from the start, you're a DPS character. Tier 1, you don't get a lot of those ranged skills or talents. So, you know, Tier 1, you're going to be more of a melee character but tier two tier three tier four those talents they're pointing you to ranged you're supposed to be ranged and yeah sure carry a you know carry some dagger or a you know a light sword or something as a secondary but you are ranged first and foremost absolutely and then how how this might fit into an adventuring party uh there's a couple different ways you could be hired to uh, hunt down somebody in the party you know that you know, obviously as a our our gang specifically i mean how many laws have we broken how many things have we blown up or people killed so hey hey oh, hey we don't is. blow up things we just set them on fire if they blow up <laughs> that's their own fault well right. i mean i remember a cannon going off and blowing up like literally a whole you know a whole barracks but i don't know my memory is a little hazy easy uh, easy how, who are you accusing here okay Right. There was a cannon went off in our presence. There's no proof that we set the cannon <laughs> off. All right. Good. I, I guess that. There's no truth uh, that they used Von Hol's quality lamp oil as a black powder substitute true. in that cannon. That is true. Yeah, they I remember they didn't know how to load it. That was <laughs> hilarious. Um yeah, I mean they're they're hired to hunt down the party and uh, you know, a third party comes in and they have to band together or the 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 party hires the bounty hunter to help with the bounty or a, a, a quest that might be a little bit out of their uh, depth. Um, you know, so there's, there's definitely a couple different ideas there. Yeah. And anytime like you can start a, a campaign off with you're all know each other, you've been hired to do this. Right. And a bounty hunter is an easy add to that regardless it doesn't even have to there doesn't even have to be a bounty or a mark in play a bounty hunter is just enough of a combat that someone might hire them for essentially hired muscle yeah exactly yeah just a bodyguard we're going to you know a random party and i just need you know i just need some some backup you know it could be it could be anything i thought a neat one would be if you were 
a bounty hunter and you could have somebody else within the party be your bounty only later to find out that, you know, regardless, you know, there were circumstances outside of what you were aware of of the time and you guys end up adventuring together coming out of it. You know, there's a lot you could do for sure. You got it. You would have to have strong role players that could handle that situation. Sure. Oh, absolutely. But as long as your party could handle that situation, it would be super cool. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as, you know, other careers that you could go into something with good synergy. I mean, if you, if you totally absolutely go deep into the tiers and level up your ballistic skill a ton and get your fighting skills way, way up, if you wanted to, you could go into a, a face character or if you love in the DPS dealing and you just want to be just an absolute damage dealer. I mean, anything with fighting or ballistic skill specifically would be awesome. I thought the duelist, you know, that might be something that you could venture into that would, you know, help out. The only the only thing bad synergy, if you try to go into a support character, you're not gonna have you're not gonna have much to do there. Yeah, it would be it would be difficult. Or any sort of magic based character, you're not you exactly. you're gonna spend a ton of XP on nothing that's gonna help you. Um, right, right. And here's a trick with Bounty Hunter. It is good. Tier 1, Tier 2. It is very good at combat. Tier 3 and Tier 4, it, like, excels at ranged combat. So, if, like, going from Bounty Hunter to another ranged combat, like, could be, like, what are you going to find better out there? Not a whole lot. Like, unless there's a specific talent you want to jump in to grab or something like that. Um, but you could go from tier one or tier two of bounty hunter into like a more melee focused combat and you right. wouldn't have wasted a lot of the experience you spent. Um, right, so it's exactly. just the really, I would argue other than the support in, in magic, like there's almost really no quote unquote bad synergy with bounty hunter. Like almost anyone can use combat skills and, and be happy. They spent that experience. Right. One that stuck out for me was actually the agitator as being one with great synergy because you are going to be able to get an early boost to your fellowship that you're not going to be able to get otherwise for the bounty hunter and grabbing the talents uh, like uh, Gregarious especially is a great one that would be super beneficial in tracking down bounties. But if you walk into a town where people don't know you, there's a really good chance that they are not going to want to talk to you, right? right? If you're an outsider uh, and they're trying to protect their own, it's going to be hard for you to get that information. That talent, uh, even only that talent, is would be uh, super helpful in tracking down a mark. So that, yeah. that was one that, you know, a pretty easy one, uh, given that we just talked about it, but one that kind of stuck out to me. Yeah, that, would yeah, almost, and- that almost makes the, that, that combination would make a, would make your bounty hunter much more of an investigative bounty hunter. Like it gives right. them all the tools that they might use a party for up front <laughs> so that they can become a solo powerhouse. Right. And, and I think, I mean, just my brief overview is that this is not an obvious option for people that want to do damage. Um, you know, if you're looking in, in the careers and you see bounty hunter or slayer, if you're thinking damage, a lot of people are going to take the the slayer or if you're, you know, soldier or knight. I mean, most yep. of the time, if you're looking to deal damage, you're going to pick those other ones just because a bounty hunter is very generic and 
you know, but it's going to take longer, right? It's a slow yeah, burn to get where you need to be. Until, yeah. Right. Until you get into those skills, you're not going to really see it. But then once you do, you're going to start hitting crazy damage and you're going to be ranged. So you're not going to be taking the damage that, that those other, other characters might, but if you're in a party, you need to be in a, t- a, a in a party with a tank because you cannot be. The whole point is to be ranged, um, you know. So you you want somebody else up front and you being able to hit, you know, with with no with no, you know, with no downside. Right. So uh, why don't I start and we'll let you finish up, Kyle? But um, I'll just start by saying, um, bounty hunter in Warhammer Fantasy roleplay is one of those few careers where you get what it sounds like um, almost everything in Warhammer is like you think of even something like a soldier like there's a lot more to it but when you think bounty hunter um, I want to play I've never I don't know anything about Warhammer bounty hunter is a great one because everyone understands the concept of a bounty hunter all of the skills and talents and everything is built to be for lack of a better way to say this, a stereotypical bounty hunter, right? Exactly. So I think um, I think it's it's a great one. Um, new players, I think, would handle this career very well. It has a little bit of everything to get them started, um, mm-hmm. and it's uh, while they're not face focused, they can handle their own at the beginning. You know, with right. some you know fellowship based yeah, stuff. They have some charm and yeah, it's it's not it's it's a straightforward career and I think yeah. it's its biggest strength. Straightforward is a good way of putting it. I originally had thought one note was how I would describe it, but I think straightforward is a better way of putting it. Um, there's not much uh, outside of what's obvious as far as what you're going to get. Um, and, but at the same time, if that's what you want, if you're looking for something that a lot of people are going to be comfortable with, I mean, who who isn't familiar with Boba Fett, right? And uh, you know, with exactly Van Helsing, more of a witch hunter, but they they're kind of similar so, in a lot. Yeah, of ways. no, similar kind of concept though. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or even uh, gosh, what was it? Dog the Bounty Hunter. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, people people are familiar with that, and I think it's it lends itself to be a a good entry level career for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, my final thought is, like I said, it's it's a sneaky damage dealing character that if you you know if you if you like your character and you want to put some time in, this is not a bad character to do that with. All right, that takes us to the character build off. Yeah. Um, so now that our reviews are complete, we're going to put our thinking caps on and we're going to do a build off. We, your hosts, have each taken one of the three careers we just described and have made characters in the hopes to outdo each other in a contest of coolness and creativity. Uh, once we've reviewed your our creations, we'll put them to the test and put them online, and then you guys can vote and see you know, what one you guys like best. So here are the rules. Each of us will be assigned one of the careers we've reviewed, and then we must create a character using the normal character creation rules. In addition, once we've completed character creation, we receive 1,000 earned XP to advance our characters however we'd like. Now that we've created those characters, we'll present them, giving a little bit of background and taking you through the character creation and advancement process, explaining why we made the choices we did. And that, Old Worlders, is where you come in. Uh, we'll have links and show notes, but you, you all know, check out Twitter. 
um, and check out our, our webpage, and we'll have polls there, and you can vote. Tell us who you think had the coolest character for uh, for bragging rights. Okay, guys, so I'll, I'll start us. Uh, so I obviously did an agitator. Um, I rolled up randomly. I got a human. I stuck with it, um, and I unfortunately didn't roll up my agitator, so I didn't get the experience there. Um, rolled up my attributes, did like, I don't want to say dismal, but I was very, very average. Um, not anything too crazy. I had a couple of 37s in there, but I had some ah. 26s as well. So, um, I did take the, uh, rearrange some of the attributes. Um, so I only got 25 points, um, because I knew where this character needed to go and I wanted to make sure I had originally rolled a 26 on my fellowship and I'm like, nope, can't do that. <laughs> So I, uh, I switched that up for 37. Um, I, fate and resilience. I made it nice and easy with three fate, three resilience. Um, and then I took my initial, uh, advancements and put two into intelligence, uh, giving me a 28. My intelligence didn't start very high, but I, I left it that way. And I'm always okay with that. And three into my fellowship, bringing it up to 40. So moving on, uh, skills with five advances. I took charm, cool, and leadership just to get us started there. And skills with three advances. I wanted my player to have some knowledge. And so I took Lore Reichland, and then I followed that up with Language Bretonian and Language Wastelander. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted him to be able to talk to lots of different people. That's so. It's, I'm glad you did that because for me at least, lore and language aren't usually... Uh, skills that I put a lot of interest in, but in your case, in the agitator, it fits. Yeah, yep. exactly done. Yep, and yeah, when it, when we get to the background story too, um, it just fits in with with him a hundred percent. So uh, we have doomed, which I actually rolled my doomed on the uh, uh, what is it the, the GM screen? Thank you, the booklet. GM screen booklet. Yes, so I rolled. Uh, I think it was a ninety-one, which is when the peasant stands triumphant shall your head separate from your shoulder. Uh, yeah. And actually that's going to play into my background. So we'll, we'll get back to that too. Um, and then I took savvy for the intelligence bonus, taking me up to a 33. So getting me out of the dump there. Um, my random talents were orientation, night vision and animal affinity, man. Usually random talents can really drive a story for me and my character, but to be honest, they didn't here and you'll see a little bit, but they're interesting and fun, but I really didn't do a whole lot with those random talents. So, uh, I went ahead and took career skills. I put five in each one just to make it simple for myself, but you'll notice since I already had five in charm, that gives me a 10 in charm to start. And then talents, I had to take read, write. Um, that's a, almost a standard pick for me when I have it as soon as I can get it. But for an agitator, I feel like it is key. So my character's name is Tillman Tragish. He's 21, uh, five foot eight inches, golden brown hair and pale gray eyes. Your standard Reichlander. When I get done, I have 45 XP from my bonus XP plus my thousand, right? So... Um, oh, I kind of skipped trappings, but I rolled up 13 copper and, you know, we just talked about what trappings you get. Class trappings are like standard hat, dagger, sling bag, you know, that kind of stuff. So I won't go into detail on that. So let's talk about how I spent my experience. First off, I spent a hundred XP in panhandle. Um, my, my character comes from the streets and agitating doesn't make a lot of money. So he needs some extra. 
followed quickly by Blather, another 100 XP there, because he talks his way out of problems. Then I spent 50 experience um, to bump my fellowship by two, up to 42. Um, and then 75 experience to bump my intelligence by three, up to 36. I then went ahead and spent 125 experience to bump my ballista skill by five, up to 36. And that literally was for the only reason to be able to move to Agitator for 100 XP. Now, you could argue that I could have moved for 200 XP and not met the requirements, but um, I felt like it was the right thing to do. And my ballistic skill was a little bit better for it. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, then I spent talents. This is where things. So, I'm now an Agitator. Spent 100 XP on Impassioned Zeal and 100 XP on Public Speaker. Um, you're going to watch as the number of people I can influence goes up much higher. Uh, fellowship. I put an additional three into fellowship, giving me 45 into fellowship for 90 XP, hundred XP to put five more into my charm, which brings it up to a 60. And then I put 50 experience into entertain storytelling, uh, to give it an additional five to bring that up to 50, um, three, uh, additional intuition to bring it to 40 for 30 XP and then I spent my final 25 experience on one agility to bring my agility up to 33. Um, no reason then. I just felt like I wanted him to be a tiny bit more agile. So Very nice. All right. So let's talk about Tillman Tragish. Um, Tillman Tragish uh, grew up on the streets of Altdorf working as a pamphleteer. Um, he had to beg it to offset to be able to eat. But he did become very good at his trade. However, when he came of age, he had his dooming, and it has haunted him ever since. His dooming, when the pe peasant stands triumphant, shall your head separate from your shoulders. Um, it, it, it infected him in a huge way. He thought about it every day, and he essentially dedicated himself to working for a demagogue in the city, um, who he knew that had worked for a noble and he didn't want to take up any peasant causes in his, um, in his, uh, you know, agitating, uh, because of his dooming. So, uh, this is how he went and continuing to get better and better at what he's done more and more accepted in the organization, uh, that he worked for. Um, and he got very good at swaying causes, um, for, you know, uh, which usually were noble driven, even though the patrons who were paying them was never really known. One day, however, he was in a shop and just met this beautiful lady and he didn't get to know much about her, um, but he followed her and found out she was an actress working in Altdorf, you know, for a playwright and that traveled around, you know, the Reichlands. So he visited the plays often he visited her often and she, you know, enjoyed his visits, but he was in love and, you know, she hadn't really gotten to any of that point in a relationship, but she liked having him around. She was too focused and busy on a huge production that they were working on, um, which was going to go around the Reichland and possibly all of the empire. Later on, Tillman received new bunch of leaflets and orders and these were designed to turn the public against this new play. You see, this play was called The Peasant. And it was about a peasant making life better for themselves at uh, the hilarious expense of their lord. 
The local noble ship didn't want this play to go well, and now his job was to make this play not happen and turn the public against it uh, with his love. He follows them around in every new town that they go with this play. He disguises himself differently and crushes his own heart as he tries to destroy the career of the woman he loves, who plays the lead part as the peasant in the play known as The Peasant. And he Ah. continues to worry about the dooming he has when the peasant stands triumphant, shall your head separate from your shoulder. Mm. That's that's dark, man. It is dark. Wow. Lance. <laughs> I, I I will mention that is a crazy good backstory, my friend. You like that? Well crazy good. Well, oh. he, you know what? Uh, Tragish is his last name, Tillman Tragish, and Tragish is German for tragedy. Nice. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> How how can we possibly top that? Lance, you do a great job, my friend. That is uh, an excellent character you've created. Um, well, I mean, I don't I don't know how I'm supposed to follow up with that after that, but I mean, I can try, I guess. Um, come on, man, you got this. I'm I've been scared ever since you've been talking about your character. It, it sounds awesome. Well, it's uh it's different. So let's start there. All right. Uh, I had the bounty hunter, of course, and I rolled a human, but that was that was too easy, too too cliche. So I went halfling. Mm. I am a halfling bounty hunter. Uh, obviously, didn't roll a halfling; had to pick it. Didn't roll for the bounty hunter, so I had to pick that as well. So I actually really like my attributes. Um, I rolled a twenty-two in weapon skill. A 40 in ballistic skill right off the bat because halflings have a plus 30 in ballistic skill. Strength and toughness, nothing to write home about. 23, so pretty low there. Intuition is a 29. Agility, a 33. Dexterity, 43. Intelligence, 31. Willpower, 46. And the starting attribute for my fellowship was 48. Jeez. Um, Whoa. Yeah, wow. so I, I maneuvered some things around just for what I had in mind. So I took the 25 XP for generating and then randomly arranging. His motivation is to be respected because he is a halfling bounty hunter. So not a lot of people give him the time of day as a bounty hunter. Uh huh. So for my five advances, I took four agility right off the bat and then one toughness. I added to those later. My skills with advances, with five advances, I took Stealth, Perception, and Charm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three advances were Intuition, Haggle, and Gamble. Nice. Uh, the career skills, I took five in each just to make it easy on myself. The talent that I chose was Shadow. So what I was going for was more of a... Not a bounty hunter that'll chase you down and get you, but I, I pictured a bounty hunter that targeted higher class thieves that, you know, aren't going to have, you know, the guards and all that stuff, but more quote unquote white collar crimes, you know, that are going to be, you know, the the scholars and things like that, that, you know, I'm not going to need to go in guns blazing to take them down possibly. Uh, so I took five to weapon skill. 
with my XP. I took one to agility just to make it to the to the next threshold, and I'll go over my finished uh, characteristics here in a bit. Four to toughness. I took 100 XP for Suave to get that plus five to fellowship right off the bat. Five to five more to weapon skill for 150. Plus five to ballistic skill for 125. Five more to ballistic skill for 150. And then five to toughness. And obviously in the middle there, I went to Bounty Hunter level two. His finished stats are, are you guys ready? Yeah. His finished stats are 33 in weapon skill, which not great. But as I stated when we were going through the character, ballistic skill is where it's at. His After the advances, it's 55. Nice. 28 in strength. After the advances in toughness, 33. 33 in intuition. 46 in agility. Uh, 39 dexterity. 31 intelligence. 43 fellowship or uh, willpower. And 53 fellowship. Dang. So, yeah, his his bribery is a 58 after the basic skill advances, 63 charm, 36 gamble, 58 gossip, Jeez. 63 haggle. Um, and then the only other one that um, really took a huge bump up was perception for 43 and stealth is a 51. So he is coming after people in the dark and trying to get secrets and more of a blackmail type of bounty hunter. But let me tell you about Thelonious Lightfoot. Nice. He is 42 years old, three foot six inch, ginger hair colored, uh, halfling with blue eyes. His short term ambition is to take a bounty down physically. As I said before, not a lot of people respect him due to his size and the career that he's in. And his long-term ambition is to repay his debt and clear his name. So Thelonious, or Theo, was born in Altdorf, a typical halfling family. Lots of, you know, lots of family members, lots of siblings. They all worked wherever they could, inns, um, you know, stables, serving in, in manors doing whatever they could to find work. That work didn't fit uh, didn't fit Theo's style and what he wanted in life. So he decided to take a little bit of a different path. He started hanging out with a gang of other halflings and they did shady work but legal. So, you know, retrieving stolen goods, uh, you know, they'd be hired by nobles that if something went missing, they would be hired to find it to tail people and, you know, figure out what people were doing, you know, things that people couldn't trouble officers for or soldiers or things like that. But, you know, things that nobles don't really want to get their hands dirty with, but they need somebody to do it. So why not hire a couple of street halflings to get the job done? Uh, Eventually that work became not only shady, but also illegal. And Theo didn't want any part of that. He he didn't want to stress out his parents, which already had a tough life, any more than they already did. So he decided to back away from the gang a little bit. And eventually he hears that a bounty hunter is after his gang. Something went wrong. A noble was killed by the gang. And now Theo is in the middle of it. Somebody's been saying his name as, as the murderer. And... 
he he doesn't know why his name keeps coming up. So after everybody's been gathered up on the gang, besides the leader and Theo, the bounty hunter comes to Theo, and it's Theo's job at that point to convince the bounty hunter that he was framed and that he has to clear his name somehow. And that is his job right now. The, the bounty hunter took him in, taught him the tools of the trade. Now he has to use those tools to gather up information and find out what the leader of the gang has been up to and figure out how he can prove his innocence. And when he does, the bounty hunter will then take in the correct suspect and will let Theo go about his own life. Fascinating. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So I, like I said, there's, you know, obviously the perfect bounty hunter is going to be a, a character that can go in and break faces and stuff like that. And I decided that that would be too, too boring and too mainstream. So I tried to take a different approach with it. No, that's awesome. The, the halfling clearing his name idea is a, is a cool one. Yeah, that's really, that is really cool. And I like how you tied in because I forget completely forgot to go over like my character's ambitions and stuff, but I, I like how you tied that into is nice. Yeah. Thank you. So I did the mystic obviously. Uh, and in order to, to roll a wood elf, you need to roll a 100. And as clear as you can hear me right now, I rolled a 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. close to that extra XP, but I went, ended up going with a wood elf because I'd never rolled up an elf before wanted to in all of the characters I've created. Somehow I've never rolled an elf. I want to say like two thirds of the characters I've rolled are, have been gnomes. So that's why, but, uh, <laughs> so I rolled an elf and, uh, let me tell you listeners, if you want to cheat at this game and be amazing <laughs> before you even start playing, pick an elf because that's exactly what is going to happen. Wait, don't my, we have an elf in our actual play that literally succeeds at almost anything she does? Oh, of course. You know why? Oh, weird. Be- because uh, my lowest characteristic is 31 before any advancements. My highest is 48 before oh any gosh. advancements. Jeez, oh, Pete. So, yeah, wow. it gets, uh, gets kind of out of hand. So, yep, get to cheat uh, playing it as an elf. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, as far as uh, talents and stuff go, I picked up Suave as my career talent, did the the standard five in each just to be able to jump up to that second tier. Um, the talents that you get for being an elf, I chose Acute Sense for Sight, Second Sight, Night Vision, all of those are, are seem to come up fairly often, at least in our experience in our actual play. Um, being Brass 1, I mean, I want to say I ended up with like 12 coppers, so it's not like you could really go out and buy a whole lot. Um, with the advancements, I went heavy on advancing fellowship. Of course, uh, as we talked about, as we were going through, uh, I want to say I ended with six advancements and fellowship uh, to boost that up. I took the attractive talent. I took the luck talent twice. Although truth be told, if I was going to play this character, I'd probably try to get that at least one more. Oh, absolutely. Uh-huh. And I, I ended up jumping to that second uh, career just to be able to pick up the well-prepared talent because it's so neat. So I, my character is Ulia Diada Moss Teller. Yes. And an mm. 80, 84-year-old Wood Elf Mystic. She's 6'8", uh, a giant. Jeez. Has brown hair and chestnut eyes. The advancements I took got me up to... Uh, 50 is my fellowship, 53 for intuition, 
and 47 for dexterity. The So I started with one fate and one resilience, specifically taking that resilience for what would be the future of this character so that I could buy into the witch talent when I get there. So with one fate means I get one fortune, but with the, the two uh, talents I took in luck, uh, that's now going to be up to three. My motivation is reunion with the skills. Uh, so starting with 50 is fellowship and so many having so many of those skills be uh, for my first tier. I'm for almost every fellowship skill. I'm rolling 55 or above. Jeez. Wow. Which yeah, is huge. Um, I put a lot into entertain sing, uh, which is up to uh, 55 as well. Storytelling 55. And also put some into sleight of hand as well. So the story of Uliadiada Moss Teller, she grew up as a distant relative to a well-known wood elf mystic or wood elf seer, excuse me. Uh, and therefore has always had a penchant for the mystical ways. When she was very young, she was taken away and separated from her family unknowingly at the time because she was so young. This is something she discovered much later in life. Uh, she was very beautiful and realized at a young age that she could use that to her advantage uh, along with uh, her good looks and silver tongue. Uliadiada began swindling the common folk out of money and wealth, including swindling Baron Diedrich von Hornsby out of his treasured family sword, essentially an heirloom, which for all intents and purposes is just a hand weapon, but it has the fine quality. So, you know, it's good. Nice. So as time goes by, she began to develop to develop senses and abilities that tied in with the mystical ways. She, knew she could rely on her smarts and cunning to seek out her family. Once she found, you know, she was through various ways. She found out that she was separated from her actual family. So she was going to rely on her, or she could rely on her smarts and cunning to seek out her family uh, and continue studying to become a very powerful seer. Awesome. Wow. Very nice. Uliadiada Moss Teller. And then you can give it to, you know, you can, you can pawn that, off as a hundred hundred gold sword right exactly that's uh that's the plan honestly it probably would be worth quite a bit yeah right. absolutely me all right that's legit cool yeah well done guys yep. it's always always a good time doing these all right those are our characters again we've posted polls on our webpage facebook and on twitter be sure to go over and vote telling us which character you like the most next off is feed your greater demon not nearly as good as you matt so well, clearly yeah <laughs> um in the feed your greater demon show segment we talk about ideas you can use to help support your fliggist that's your friendly local gaming store and build your woofrup community Today's idea, a uh, pretty simple idea. Look, with all the COVID stuff going on, stores are starting to reopen. Call or stop in, find out what they have planned, and if they don't have anything planned, help them plan something. Um, all the time, all the while while doing that, please be very mindful of social distancing and any mask regulations that your state might have. And here's an idea for you. Have the store run some games virtually. There's plenty of 
websites out there that do just that. You and other GMs, anyone that participates in a store discount or, you know, get something like that going just to try and get those businesses back back up and running. One thing I can say with certainty is that game and comic stores, they are hurting because Absolutely. most, at least the ones that I know, are, you know, they're not running with a huge margin. It's not like they're making yeah. money hand over fist. So to lose out on potentially months of business, they're hurting. And, uh, you know, they're again, things are starting to reopen and we need to make sure as a gaming community that we're supporting the stores that we love and hopefully they can uh, make it through this. Yeah. And, right. and remember people, now's the time to shop small whether that be, you know, Etsy shops or, you know, your local game store or anything, you know, because those, like, like Matt said, those companies don't have huge pockets that they can just dig into and, and pay the bills for four months with no sales. So make sure you get out there and uh, support the people who need it most. Yep. Yep. And some of those places are the only place that some people can get some of this stuff. Exactly. And, uh, and so helping support them can help keep the community lively. I know we're all doing online stuff and everything nowadays, but the reality is, is some people can't. And so um, yep. maybe that means you're running, you know, a game. I mean, you'd have to be, maybe you're running your games outside. They have a table set up outside or something and you wear masks during the game or whatever. Like there's a lot of different potential options and yep. ideas. Talk to your gaming store owners about it. Trust me, anything that they can do to get people walking in the door, um, they're going to want. Yep. So, all right. So uh, that's our idea. That's the end of the show tonight. So, yeah, listeners, keep in touch. Let us know your questions, feedback. You know, please vote on the polls that we're putting out there. Suggest some new careers for us next time. You can contact us multiple ways by checking out our website, www.oldworldpodcast.com. We're on Twitter, at Old World Podcast, and we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash oldworldpodcast. And while you're checking us out on the various social interwebs, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. If you like what we're doing and you want to help out, become a patron. For only a couple dollars a month, you can help support the show and get some cool rewards, too. Uh, check us out at patreon.com slash oldworldpodcast. Um, I know uh, just even for like a couple bucks a month, we have uh, campaign deconstruction. We haven't mentioned that in a while. But that's where I basically go over all of our actual plays that we've done and tell you what I think went well, what went wrong, and give you my thoughts and ideas um, and tips based on my limited experience. So, um, you know, go <laughs> if, uh, check that out. If you're a GM, it is, it is a worthwhile listen for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, let us know what you think. Visit iTunes or your preferred podcast service and rate us. Every review helps us reach even more Warhammer fans. All right. This is Lance saying good night. And if you get that fateful pamphlet that says destroy your love, think twice before you follow your love around. This is Matt simply saying good night, everybody, and have a great. Uh, oh, hold on. Hold on. Yes, I'm getting a vision. <laughs> it's coming to me. I can see listeners. I can see your future. Yes, I can. I can sense it now. Yes, you're going to Facebook and Twitter. And oldworldpodcast.com. Mm -hmm. Division's <laughs> coming. And you're voting for. Uh, yes, you're voting for Uliadiada Moss Teller the Mystic. Thank you so much for your votes. <laughs> Good night, all. And this is Kyle saying be excellent to each other. And if you vote 
for anybody other than Thelonious Lightfoot, he personally will hunt you down. Man, you guys are playing hardball. Well done. This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC.